Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to collinslaststand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 77. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my very precious co-host, Chris Twinbreak and Raygun. Chris, how are you today? <sighs> I'm pretty good, I guess. There are people in my apartment complex, I guess, drilling a summoning pit into the very depths of hell. Uh, it's so, coming it's it's definitely coming through on my headphones a little bit is it like persistent on your end it's it's it just starts and stops whenever it damn well pleases which mm. uh makes me assume that only i can hear it and it only affects people uh that i'm attacked what the fuck what could that possibly that doesn't even sound like a drill or anything i don't know i don't someone's maybe it's the very various bugs the the roaches that are Good. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're heinous. building uh, they're building machinery. They've entered the fucking Bronze Age. <laughs> I know it's like civilization. They're uh, they're making a nuclear reactor inside your wall. Well, it's it's okay. We have to do what we have to do. You're not feeling very well today. No, I gotta. Oh. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I've got me a I got me a kick ass migraine. Well, that seems like the noise is not going to make it any better for oh, you. Oh no! If anything, it's making it way worse. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah well, we really, were. It's really messed up. But we got a. There's a game. Yeah. That's true. There's a game. It's very exciting. So we'll get right into that. Twin Breaker is the name of our game that we're releasing in quarter one, 2020 on PlayStation 4 and Vita. We revealed the trailer today, which Chris edited. I thought you did a great job, Chris. I really love the trailer. Uh, So for the uninitiated, the game is basically a 999 PS4 slash Vita cross by game. Two separate trophy lists, platinum for each Vita and for PS4. And 
it's basically supposed to be a kind of an affordable, accessible twin breaker. Or I'm sorry, I've been saying that name so much. Brick breaker with, uh, you know, a little bit of a story in there, a little bit of a twist and a gameplay twist, too, because you're going to control multiple paddles, hence the name twin breaker. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. I'm really looking forward to getting this game out. Our friend Barry's been working on it at Lilymo Games. This is their third game. They made Perils of Baking, which is on PS4 and Vita, and it might also be on Switch. And then Habroxia, which I think is on everything, basically, which is a really great arcade space shooter, old school space shooter. And I guess I should throw out there now. I mean, we can't really talk objectively about Lilymo Games or anything they do anymore because we're, they're kind of like in a second party relationship with us now. Yeah. This isn't the only game that's going to happen. This is the first game we're doing which I'm very excited about. So we'll be doing more unless this game like totally bombs. So <laughs> yeah, who knows? It could, it could bomb. I don't know. Yeah, but we'll see. That'll all be up to you. So go check out the trailer. Uh, really happy with it. Really proud of it. Uh, proud of the job Chris did with the trailer. Proud of the job Barry's doing with the game. I'm always proud of myself. So it's not really <laughs> yeah, much I should, I need to say there, of course. And let us know what you think. We're taking the feedback on board. Actually, I have it open here. Let's see what some of the things are that people have been saying on a YouTube someone wrote in and said here are my sacred symbols and then it's a picture of a piece of shit like an emoji shit <laughs> oh, an nice. unhappy face the okay symbol that's now apparently the white white power symbol that everyone is talking about and then uh, a an eggplant emoji uh, another person simply says oh no <laughs> that's good most of the comments are most of the comments are really great though we really appreciate it there's some really funny ones on here a few people that aren't interested in the genre interested in in all of that but i think it's i think it's a cool idea i don't know you guys yeah. will be a, the judge of that am i not selling it very well well we don't have to worry about that yet it's well, not that's why the, that's what the trailer's there for <laughs> yeah so go check it out yeah uh, the plan for that chris is uh, we'll do a couple more let's plays in the new year another trailer i'm sure show the game off more but again this is a game and i don't want to get too deep into it now because i i have to be smart with the marketing and have all my marketing hits as we get closer and closer to release, but it's a game that's designed. I mean, you could beat the game in like an hour or two if you wanted to, but it's about score chasing and about getting a ranks and S ranks, which unlock more of the story and there's different modes. So there's an endless mode and a boss mode, boss rush mode and all that kind of stuff. So it's not just the twin breaker core experience as well. And by the way, if you don't care about the story, which you very well might not, you can just skip all the story. And, and just play the game. So we want to make something that's just accessible and fun. And what I said on the Patreon post for it is that you already have your like 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 hour AAA game. Like we're not, I'm not trying to like play in that space. I'm never going to try no. to play in that space. I just don't understand why you would do it. I want to make something that you sit down with like for a weekend or if you want to play it on Vita, you play it on your commute for a week or whatever and you're and you're done with it. Yeah. Unless you want to go get more scores. So we'll keep you abreast of the situation, but we appreciate everyone watching the trailer and supporting us and spreading the word. We don't really expect anyone to write about the game or review it or cover it. So we're really going to rely on you guys to support it and uh, tell all your friends and family all about Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols adventure. Thank you so much. And for the uninitiated for our show, I guess I probably should have said this first, right, Chris? We just got right into it today. Yeah, we really did. The, the roach is making a nuclear reactor in your wall. Chris doesn't feel very well. <laughs> we have a game coming out. But I should say this is a PlayStation podcast we put up every week. You can support it on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand for early ad free access to every episode of the show. Exclusive access to Sacred Symbols Plus, which is our supplemental weekly podcast only for patrons. The ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas, which are sprinkled like a fine spice from the east all over this podcast. Ooh, that was a nice little uh, little write up there. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
you know, I've been I'm reading Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I haven't read in a while. And uh, he gets very specific or I guess the character gets very specific in the in the story about he's in Eastern Europe and he's eating like lots of red pepper flakes and paprika and all these kinds of things. So it's just been on the mind, I guess. These various herbs. Oh, Jesus. God fucking damn. <laughs> there it is again. It's really making Chris mad. It's getting him upset. I am in a situation currently where I just cannot process anger well. Because, like, you know, the day started off so shit <laughs> with, like, right. my head attacking itself. Right. So then I have to deal with, uh, you know, this this uh, very loud civilization in my walls. Well, there's a now the person above me is also uh, vacuuming. Now, the person above me has lived here the entire time I've lived in this apartment in, in L.A. They vacuum every day, sometimes multiple times a day. I don't understand that. Vacuuming is cath- vacuum is kind of, it's kind of cathartic sometimes. It's nice, but you know what I like, Chris, about vacuuming is because I'm a pretty neat person. I like to keep things, you know, neat and clean as much as I can. But I get a real kick out of emptying the the basin or whatever, the receptacle, and then vacuuming and seeing everything that I've gathered. And I fear that if I did it every day, it just wouldn't be as satisfying as that once a week, once every two week kind of vacuum that that one might do. That's fair. I like to do mine so, at 1 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you live on the first floor, so you're not really disturbing many people you might be disturbing the people above you perhaps no nah, i don't care about them these people don't care about me at all upstairs yeah so uh heading out though a week from the day this is publishing on patreon i'll be heading out i'm, I'm actually flying uh to virginia permanently i mean i maybe I'm, i hopefully i'm not permanently in virginia forever like i can never leave i don't know <laughs> like you're chained there like a like a yeah like a bell I'm there, I'm or there. something once i'm there i'm there but uh leaving on christmas eve into christmas on a red eye so just a lot of things to do. We and you and I have a lot of things to record and get settled so we can actually take a little bit of time off and get our games of the year in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sacred Symbols Plus, by the way, last week's was a Fallen Order spoiler spoiler cast uh, for Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, the next one is going to be all about our favorite moments of 2020 or I'm sorry, 2019. We'll solicit your feedback for that. And then the one after that. Sacred Symbols Plus after that is going to be about 2020 predictions. And in between there, we're going to do a game of the year episode, which will run normally. We're going to do a normal episode next week. Everything runs as normal. We are not lazy and we don't take any time off for the holidays. Yeah, you can be a little lazy, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe like a just like a hint of laziness, but no, nothing more. See, what's peculiar about this person vacuuming above me right now is that it's so thorough. You see, you think if you would do it every day, you wouldn't have to be this thorough. Oh, but that's what that's exactly what makes it. So effective is to do the same thing all the time. Yeah, I suppose so. What is that? Insanity? Insanity. Yeah, insanity. Of course, uh, everyone learned about it. That saying from the Far Cry 3 trailer. Yeah. Which is where I. uh, Well, I've heard it before that, but that's like where it became like a gamer thing. Gamer knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Let's call it. Chris, let's get into some of the questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas we have from our audience. Just preliminarily before we get into what we're playing and the news and all of these things. Nolan Stokesbury wrote in us and said, hey, guys. Just want a little PSA to my fellow gamers. My apartment burned down a few weeks ago and I lost everything, including my PS4. So friendly reminder to make sure you have your saves auto backup to the cloud. (laughs) I was about 15 hours into Death Stranding at the time. And when I got my new PS4 a couple days ago, I was able to simply download my old save and keep on delivering. Thanks for being the best gaming podcast in the business. Oh, you're very welcome, Nolan. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah. Wow. It's quite the quite the story. I mean, you would is it's interesting that this is what he thought to write in about. I guess this is what has to do with the show. I don't know that he's going to be like, I lost all my fine china. <laughs> yeah. I thought you guys might want to know that. Yeah, no. That's, really, be, that's really sad. <laughs> it wouldn't be. Maybe the, the fine china cast. Uh, yeah, the fine china cast. About. But that's pretty wild. 
that that's even I always forget that you know buildings can catch fire <laughs> yeah because like, in, in uh, I don't know because like in, in California like it's usually like the forests and the trees right you know? exactly I always exactly. forget yeah, I never I never got ex- I never got scared because the the fires were burning all around us here for a couple of years and they were in like Malibu and, and Bel Air and all these kinds of different places, which are all like kind of pincering Santa Monica where I am. But I was never afraid of it jumping because we have no trees here. You know, I never really was like, oh, it's going to a building's going to catch on fire. It's like, no, there's no forestry here. Yeah. Just a few palm trees and whatnot. So anyway, Nolan, that's a terrible thing that happened to you. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. I have like more questions about it. Was it like just your apartment? Was it the whole building? Did you do it? There's a, like there are a <laughs> few things that I did. You do it yourself. <laughs> it sounds like he's good. He sounds like he's getting his insurance. I'm glad everything's OK. I thought I see Nolan. It might have been a little more appropriate to write in and be like, I lost everything, but I managed to get like my Vita out of the fire or something like that. I would have felt like that would have been a better PSA. Yeah. But get your, was, make sure your Vita fine. is in a very accessible place for when you're trying to flee from a f- burning down building. Exactly. You should keep your Vita on your key. You know how some people have those things where they hang their keys on the wall next to their door? Like my dad had one of those yeah. when I was a kid. You just hang up a Vita on there as well. I do that. And you're ready to go. Yeah, you're ready to go. Oh, do you, I'd throw mine in a bowl. I can't do that so. because I lo- I, 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 I'm just so positive that I just will forget to do that. Whereas if I see like a hook on the wall, I'll think, oh, something needs to go there because if there's mm. nothing on there, it'll drive me mad. That's a that's a great point. Have you ever like misplaced your phone, wallet or keys and you're going somewhere and then someone's like, oh, just look for it when you get back. And I can't I have to know where everything is. No. Yeah. Like if my keys are gone, I can't I can't leave or have any enjoyment in my life until no, I know exactly. where the keys are again. What are we talking about? I don't know. It says here in the document is R.I.P. Redbox. Apparently Redbox is not going to do video games video game rentals anymore. This is apparently, well, I mean, not apparently. This is obviously relevant to people, I guess. But I was always a little confused how they made money doing that. Yeah. That is kind of, yeah, like I was actually like with a couple people the other day and I was walking down the street and we saw Redbox and I I was talking about how like if somebody had pitched me the idea of Redbox, I would have laughed at them. Like I was talking about them, how I was like, I don't even understand how this is possible that they're making money on this. And uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of amusing given this. Yeah, it, it's weird because at my Safeway here in the, in the in the neighborhood, I'm always seeing people at the Redbox station, but I've never personally used it. I remember using it once with like a, an ex-girlfriend a long time ago in like 2007 or 2008 or something like that. And it, was, it seemed really quaint at the time. It just always seemed like a business with like a finite end date on it. It's like, yeah, this is a fine idea right now, but I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. When when, you know, everything goes to shit. But I always thought it was very, you know, wasn't it like a dollar a day or something? It seems like like you could keep you could rent a movie and have one movie from them all year, like a different movie every day and only, I guess, pay three hundred sixty five dollars, which is a lot of money. But good deal if you're uh, you're obsessed with it. That whole business is confusing to me. I mean, you're you're old enough to have been doing the Netflix DVD thing, right? As a kid, I mean, I didn't have money (laughs) as a child to do that. Right. But. I, like, I remember getting, like, renting videos and stuff. I remember going to the, the video store and renting VHSs and stuff like that. I remember that. And that was fine. Wow. See, but Yeah, like, that was fine. Yeah, you must have been really young when that was happening. Yeah, that well, that was like, well, you didn't really have, like, VHSs stuck around in some, like, tertiary manner for a while after DVD, you know? Yeah, they did. You're right. They did. They did stubbornly stay around for, like until like 2005 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like 2004, 2005 was the last time I remember renting a VHS. Wow. 
Yeah, I had my I had my DVD player starting in 2000 with PS2, but I just brought that up. The Netflix thing just to say that I was obsessed with getting discs back in the mail and like gaming the system as much as possible. And I'd be so mad if I didn't get DVDs on time before I wasted a day or anything like that. It was like, yeah, I really used to beat myself up about it. Yeah, well, there's no need for that. No, there isn't. And that's uh, really has nothing to do with this podcast either, actually. I also wrote something down here. It just says Game Awards. The Game <laughs> Awards, were, we're going to talk about the news from the Game Awards. They were last week. Yeah. Do you have any any thoughts on on the Game Awards? Uh, there's a lot of trailers. Yeah. A lot of advertisements. I almost forgot that there were awards. It did seem like that's what a lot of people's feedback was. I didn't watch. It. I'm not sitting there and watching that. I mean, no offense, but I'm not. I'm not watching. I'm not watching the Game Awards for three hours. But it did seem like a lot of the reaction to it, where it was like, "Where are the awards?" This seems like a big advertisement, which is, I guess, how Jeff Keighley and company are going to make money and keep this thing afloat. But I don't know. I just I I I just after the next day, I went in to like push Square and a few other websites and just read. What was announced, yeah, <laughs> you know, and like looked fair. at a few trailers. Yeah, I watched. Yeah. I caught some of it because I think by the time like we were recording that day. So like I remember like we were recording and it, I think we were recording during it was during its initial like intro or whatever. And I walked into the living room and I was just I was going to watch this uh, horrifying video that I found of like some some Harlequin looking weirdo falling down a staircase that I remember seeing. I was going to show it to my friends <laughs> and I was like, I checked my <laughs> notifications and I said, oh, the Game Awards are... <laughs> So I just watched a little bit of that. I think I caught it halfway through. I don't know why I brought oh, up the Harlequin, but like it's a Harlequin <laughs> looking weird. Yeah, like I don't know. I saw that somebody sent me this video, and I really I was enamored with it, and I wanted to show everybody Harlequin looking weirdo. But yeah, so like I caught it. I caught it live mostly. I missed most of the big ones though, so I really just sort of stuck around watching a live stream of kind of not interesting thing. But they did a Muppet thing that that I thought was pretty funny. So that's, yeah, I that's saw nice. a little bit of that, too. I think someone wrote into our show, actually, about that, Chris, because they said it was like the Muppets came on during like the game for Impact Award or whatever. So it seemed a little weird. Like, yeah, this is the game like, that had like a real world impact. Let's uh, have the Muppets give, give the award out. No, yeah. No, they did. They give it a did they give it out? I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just relying on this one person that wrote into the show. We didn't use your uh, letter. Yeah, I do remember they were like uncomfortably close to something like that. And it was like really jarring because they did like an untitled goose game kind of parody deal with like beaker and he's like in the world uh and the goose is like harassing him i thought it was pretty good it's pretty funny but then it immediately nice. shifted into my name is rick and i cut off both my legs once and then it was like oh okay holy shit <laughs> it wasn't that exactly but it was you know the, the tone shifted really really drastically and then it shifted to the D disco elysium developers giving out a shout out to marks and angles yeah the the fathers of communism the fathers of economic failure and starvation everywhere that it's been tried. Proud, very, very proud moment for them <laughs> on this, on the, uh, on the gala stage. Yeah. Weirdos. Daniel Rogers wrote into us, Chris. Now this one's going to bother you. He says a keyboard is, he doesn't even ask. He just says it. This is a statement. Yeah. This is a statement. He, says, he wrote in with a statement. He says a keyboard is just a word piano. <laughs> I like that. I don't have a problem with that at all. It's fine. I mean, I think I, that's funny. That's a funny wording. It is funny. It's good. It's yeah, fine. I don't mind it. Eli Abugasum wrote into us and said, greetings, Cora, Colin and culinary, Chris. Hope this question finds you well from Richmond, British Columbia to Richmond, Virginia. Don't get too far ahead of yourself now, Eli. 
because I'm not there yet. Richmond, British Columbia is a part of Vancouver. I recently moved here and discovered an American burger chain not found in my hometown of Ottawa called Red Robin. He says it in all capital letters now, by yeah. the way, Red Robin, <laughs> Red Robin, like that. <laughs> now, we all know that Five Guys takes the CNC podcast factory burger crown. But what do you gents think of Red Robin's glorious contributions to the burger scene? I thought this was a pretty interesting question. Do you like Red Robin, Chris? Are you familiar with Red Robin? I've been there once. I didn't hate it. But like, mm. but Red Ro- Red Robin is like a sit down kind of burger place, like like a like a Ruby Tuesday, yeah, exactly, or something like that, you know, right. or uh, something else that I'm not thinking of quite quite like right a now. Chili's, yeah, like a, yeah, exactly, like a Chili's. Welcome to Chili's, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. One of those. So I don't know. I, I like all of those pretty much. Like, but the thing is, like with with a Five Guys burger, it's fast. You know, you get your stuff, you get out. They just have a unique way of like piling on fries onto their burger to keep them keep them warm. It's cool. It's a wonderful tradition yeah, they have over there. I, I would put like Chili's and Ruby Tuesdays and Red Robin basically in the same spot because they all really fulfill the same. I have never thought that like, oh, one thing. Oh, let's go to Red Robin's because Chili's doesn't have the right lighting or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I can't. They, they're all the same. Right. Red Robin is interesting just to me because it is like a Fridays or something, but they really do specialize in burgers. But the thing about it is that I love cheeseburgers. We all know that I love cheeseburgers and Chris loves his burgers too, but I don't need like ornate cheeseburgers with like a special seasoning and like a really disgusting cheese. And you know, you put mayo on it, but you're calling it aioli and shit. Cause that's the kind of stuff that happens at some of these restaurants. Yeah. And yeah. I don't have time for that. The burgers, I don't have a need for that. The burgers seem pretentious at those places. It's, why wouldn't it be called it? A Robin is a bird. So that's what annoys me a little. Well, I guess you don't want to name it like after a cow. I was going to say, like, why not call it like red cow or something? But then you're murdering your own mascot. So maybe I just answered my own question. Yeah. Uh, in terms of that. But well, we uh, don't eat robins in fairness. No, we don't. We don't. No. We don't eat robins. No. Peter says, Migu wrote a note and said, why on earth is Dick short for Richard? I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I'm sure that it's I could Google it in the time that I just said that I could have Googled the answer, but I'm not going to. Yeah, it's something that I, I hate. About our language and about the fact that everybody has just accepted this to be true without any demand for a good reason. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that shit. It's if you if you look at Richard and then you take out you put it backwards and then you take out the A.R. So if you Both do, <laughs> what you're saying is if you change the word entirely, then it then it makes sense. Then it becomes dick without a K. Yeah, nice. It becomes it becomes the '80s cartoon factory Deke. Oh yeah, that many of us might remember. Chris, before we move on to what we're playing, we probably should have. This is a bit of a non sequitur because we probably. I mean, I don't know what the show is if not a just one long non sequitur, I guess. But since we talked about the Game Awards earlier, the Xbox Series X was revealed. This is the new Xbox console. This is what it's called, Xbox Series X. It looks like. A computer tower, basically. Yeah. And they also showed Hellblade 2 off from Ninja Theory. This will be a, an Xbox and PC exclusive. Obviously, Ninja Theory is now under the Microsoft umbrella. But we got a few questions about this. I feel like we can't really ignore it, nor should we. So yeah. we'll do that now. But I'm curious. This is the big thing from. I mean, now that we've talked about Red Robin, we talked about the word piano. <laughs> Twin Breaker, of course. Nolan's apartment burned down. Let's talk about the Xbox now. All so right. what do you. What do you think about this new machine? What do you think? What do you think about its looks and all this? So, yeah, I don't I had like a weird because I was watching it during the Game Awards live and everything. 
So like I was with some friends of mine and the second we saw it, we were like, we were kind of laughing at it. We were like, ah, what a weird design. It looks like a mini fridge. I don't know why they would do that. And then like 10 minutes passed and we were looking at it again. And it was like, oh, it looks kind of like a, like a, like an obelisk or something like some kind of like a, like an artifact. Mm. And then we started like, it, it was like a weird kind of slowly like, oh, that looks kind of neat. <laughs> like it was like the cyber truck all over again. Where like uh, Elon Musk showed off his like weird polygonal truck, and everybody was laughing at it. And then like an hour later, I was like, okay, that actually looks kind of cool. <laughs> I don't like the name at all. I hate the name uh, with every fiber of my being. I don't understand. Were you the one that said that the to call it Infinity? If, I saw someone say that. Yeah, I said just call it the Xbox Infinite, or, yeah, or Infinite. anything, or anything yeah. else. Even Scarlet was was pretty cool. Or like uh, I don't know Zenith. If you want to go with the X. Zenith, I think Zenith literally means the most powerful state that a thing can currently be in. Seems like an appropriate name. Yeah, the Zenith. I don't yeah, know. There's like this, way, yeah. there's so many good names that you could use that they just don't. And I guess they're kind of just doing like a like a like a car thing with Series X because it almost seems like they're they're marketing this like like uh, continually refreshed hardware. You know what I mean? Like like an iPhone XS. Or like an iPhone XR, you know, or X Max. It seems like what the naming convention is going to be. Yeah, you're probably I'm just staring at it on my screen. And like what comes to mind for me is just uh, it seems sophisticated, like a, like a BMW. Yeah, yeah. Se- series that we don't name our console. You know, you drive a BMW, but you drive whatever the fuck. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know anything about BMW, but they always have like when I see them driving around, they always have. You know, like a bunch of letters and numbers, but that's not the license plate either. Before anyone yeah. says that. All right. I'll talk about the license. But yeah. Yeah. I think that that's that's what because wa- you're, you're right. You have to let it wash over you a little bit. And so I let it wash over me. And as far as the name's concerned, I'm not crazy about the name either, but it does sound sophisticated. I don't really know what the intent is behind that. But the box, I don't really have a problem with. Now, I, I did feel a little bad for Microsoft because they probably released this thing being like, there's no way anyone can make fun of this. Like they made fun of the Xbox one, which was fucking gigantic compared to the PS4. And I remember yeah. everyone really making fun of that. And then it took about two minutes for me to start finding like laugh out loud, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pictures. There's, there's like a lot the of strong man. Com- the strong man competition of the guy like carrying the console. I, like, I saw great. a bunch of great <laughs> ones of like uh, Norman Reedus carrying one uh, <laughs> up a mountain or like there was one where uh, the what is it? The the beginning of 2001 when they're all praying yeah, to the yeah. obelisk or something. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I don't know. The The look kind of grew on me relatively quickly. I think the thing that I appreciate about it is like Microsoft doesn't usually do weird designs. They usually stick pretty closely to, hey, you know, here's a box. Uh, here's, you know, your general, you know, flat rectangle. And you play games on it. And this one's just like, hey, here's a tower. And it's just like, oh, weird. It seems like a Nintendo move almost where like Nintendo just always mm. usually just makes this like these weird weird looking machines and uh, it was just kind of nice to see something just kind of out there it's funny man because i i the only problem i, I guess i can come up with for this console is where does it go yeah. that, that seems to be the only problem that i think people have that i've seen that that's a realistic problem like where are you gonna put it and that's that's something that you have yeah. to think about i mean if it's not going to fit in your entertainment system, I guess it can maybe go on its side, but it's still, I don't know. They released the exact dimensions of it, but I think it's like way too big to slide into most of these little capsules. These yeah, cubbies. I don't know. Like, it seems like it's as wide 
as the Xbox One controller. So, like, I don't know if, like, tur- turning it on its side... Oh, like, the thickness, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. So, like, I don't I know if you. it's... It, it might be... Yeah, it might be too big to fit in entertainment systems, which is, like, a weird oversight. If it isn't yeah. oversight at all, if they just... Maybe they just don't even care. Yeah, they might not. I mean, they might be, to your point, segueing and, and I mean, they've been doing this with software, but segueing to the PC space to such a degree that maybe they really intend on this thing, if you want it to be a reasonable thing to hook up to a computer monitor or something like that. If you want to just play games with a mouse and keyboard or something, I don't really see the point of that. Yeah, but I, I bet that they're probably going to put out a discless version around the same time. I have a strong feeling that that's probably going to happen and that might be sleeker. Like only if if only by like a little bit, I I, I really right, have a right. feeling that that's probably what they're gonna do. I don't think they would have just done a a discless Xbox One already if they didn't plan on using that you know technology in some way. Well, we'll see what happens. There is that I I don't have any connections with Microsoft, so I, I can't speak to these. But there are rumors to that to that effect that they are gonna release multiple SKUs. So we'll see what happens. Uh, what did you think about about Hellblade 2? Looks pretty cool. Oh, I guess cool, I never yeah. played the original. Yeah, I so, never I played the original either. I guess I should because everybody raves about it, and like even everybody in my apartment likes it. So it's like, all right, well, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll play it. That'll probably be the thing that I dive into and into my backlog and try and get out of the way. But it looked really cool. Whatever that trailer was, it uh, was really neat. I thought it was live action for like parts of it because it was like really confusing, like it, the like the mocap. Yeah, looked yeah, yeah, really like disturbingly real. And I was like, they said they said in engine, but like this can't this has to be like a live action. Like, that's a person like the gums were like really like her gums were like super defined. I was like, I've never seen that. <laughs> it's like really uncomfortable. It is a little uncomfortable. I mean, because we're really reaching that space, which we've talked about before. That space like right after the uncanny valley where things start to actually look realistic and like consistently realistic. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, we've talked about this in the past. I think we had a really insightful question from an audience member some time ago, Chris. I don't know if you remember it, but where the person I think th- I, it, might, it might have just been something we talked about, but I think it was spawned off of a question that what are we going to do when like, how are we going to use this power? Not we we're not making games that are powerful, but how are developer real developers going to make power powerful games that don't necessarily rely only on realism to flex their muscles and how can this power be used to make a cartoon more cartoonish or a style more stylish and we've not seen that yet so that's the thing i'm most excited to to see is something that looks amped up to to 11 but it's like a borderlands looking game like a cell shaded game or something like that or something yeah so that'll be exciting yeah Let's see. We have a few questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from the audience here. And by the way, a lot of you guys wrote in about this, so we couldn't get you all in here. Sebastian Heilman wrote in, said, what's up, amigos? With the reveal of the Xbox Series X, I am left well underwhelmed. I am curious to see if you guys felt this way as well. And if you do, why do you think Microsoft keeps coming up short on these reveals? To me, this is the worst reveal of a major console in a long time. Uh, I don't know, Chris, that I agree with Sebastian that it was underwhelming. But it is worth noting that a console has never been revealed like this before, as far as I remember. Yeah. I, I don't remember a console ever being revealed a, on someone else's stage randomly. Like yeah, that. it's definitely like a weird time for it. I don't think it was the worst reveal of a major console, though. Like, not even. No, close. I don't think so. Either. Like, I think the Xbox One still takes it. Even I don't even think it's up. I don't even think it's in the same list. Honestly, it, it was totally fine. They showed off what the machine looked like. They showed off. Uh, 
some, you know, CG kind of trailers about like games that are probably coming to it. It seemed like totally fine to me. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think I've been on the other side of the page with people for years now, for several years, at least with Xbox, where a lot of people think they're doing this, this and this wrong. And I see I for some reason, like have the the crystal ball in which I look and I think I see their strategy. And I think that this is the next thing that made a lot of sense to me. They are keeping expectations low. And I think that that's really smart because with Xbox One, like Chris was saying, when we saw the Xbox One for the first time in the spring, I think it was May 2013, expectations were enormous and they totally whiffed and they fucked their own console for the entire generation and never recovered from that reveal and from the jokes and from the first impressions. Well, first impressions mean so much. And so I think with this, Chris, they're saying like we we talked about Scarlet last year. Earlier this year, we talked about it again and talked more specifically about it. And now we're showing you what it looks like. And here's a picture of the controller that looks just like the last controller or is the last controller. And it looks like a tower. And here's a game. And I think it's really smart. And, and if anything, Chris, if anything, I think that they are setting up Sony, um, which I feel like is going to maybe go big. That maybe that's a mistake. Maybe maybe that's not the maybe I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm seeing things differently. But I like Microsoft strategy, and I think that this fits well into that strategy. And uh, I think that it, what else could you have asked for? They got that out of the way. Now that's just something else they don't have to discuss. No, yeah. yeah. I, I just my only real problem is is again the name, which I don't, I don't, I hate. You know, like I, I think. It's definitely better than the Xbox One because the Xbox One was just like lying straight up about what console it was. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know, it'd be like saying, oh, hey, the next console is the PlayStation 8. And it's like, what? Right, exactly. How? how? <laughs> with, which Apple did with the iPhone as well, right? They skipped nine, I think. Yeah, they, they did. Or... And it's like, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I, I just, I, I foresee it being confusing to people who aren't necessarily in the know. Like, I could see, like, a grandmother being like, you know, hey, can I get the Xbox uh, X? And then somebody's like, the, you know, the guy behind the counter is like, which one? You know, because there's a One X, and there's, like, a Series X, and, like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. We'll see how it all goes. My, my assumption is their intention is for everyone to call it X, which is... Fine, but you're right about Xbox One because I understood. I understand if someone sat me in a marketing meeting and was like, "We're calling it Xbox One because it's supposed to be an all-in-one machine for your entertainment system." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine, but we already have two other Xbox consoles, so we and everyone calls the original Xbox Xbox One, so we can't possibly call it that. So what else do we have?" But that apparently that conversation never happened. So yeah. Series X is a is a cooler name, I think. I, again, I think it sounds sophisticated. It sounds boutique-ish. It sounds expensive. It looks expensive. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. So whether or not that pays off, I don't know. I don't know what their strategy is from there, but I like what they're doing. They seem to be getting all their ducks in a row and keeping expectations low. And then if you keep expectations low, you always exceed them. That's the key. Yeah. And that's, I'm not being sar sarcastic. That's That's a big part of marketing and a big part of business is setting expectations low. And then when you meet or exceed them, people are like, oh, you met or exceeded my expectations, my low expectations. Now my expectations are higher, but those higher expectations are based on a real product and not a promise. So yeah. we'll see how it all yeah, it is, it is, turns it out. It is smart in that regard. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Julian Santana, and I'm not trying to speak in, in the Spanish tongue. He It is Y-U-L-I-A-N. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be like a Spanish speaker trying to get that inflection in there or anything like that, because I know I usually butcher everyone's names. And by the way, I don't know why, but it reminds me of when Barack Obama used to always say Pakistan, but he would say it with like a Pakistani inflection Uh, randomly. Oh, really? He would say like Pakistan? Yeah. Like he would say other countries sometimes. And whatever he was saying, he was just speaking American English and then he would just go right into that word. Oh, weird. And And he also insisted on calling ISIS ISIL, which really bothered me because no one was calling them that. You know, it, 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 they, I mean, they mean the same thing. It's the same organization. Yeah. But for some reason, Barack Obama just insisted on saying Pakistan like that and saying ISIL instead of ISIS. And it really infuriated me because I bet you he was doing it on purpose because I would have done it on purpose. You know, <laughs> so I really related to him in that regard. He says, Julian says, OK, CNC, let's get right to it. Xbox Series X or Xbox X went and showed off at the Game Awards. How could Sony get back on track? Why show a PS5 PAC exclusive? We'll talk about that in a little while. Godfall without a formal console announcement. This is an interesting question too, Chris, because I kind of fear that Microsoft, I don't know if they're intentionally doing it or not. We actually got some questions about this because it is a game between two companies and they're very much aware of what the other company's doing. This isn't something that's happening in a vacuum, yeah. but I feel like they're at least unintentionally setting Sony off up to not have a good announcement because there is a scale in place where the lower the expectations are with Xbox, then the higher the expectations are with Sony just by by proxy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. And yeah, so good. I, I mean, well, I don't know if they're off track necessarily just because they haven't shown the machine yet. Like that's that's like a different perspective, I guess. But I, I, I don't share it. I, I don't think just because they haven't been the first people to show off the machine that they're, that they're somehow off track. I do worry about the way they're going about it, like showing off a game for the next console that's not even really an exclusive, but sort of is, uh, and then just no real splash. Maybe there, maybe that's also like a low kind of expectational strategy. It could be. Yeah, you're, you could be right. They may be playing the same game. I will say that Microsoft is winning definitively in one way, assuming that the dev kits look anything the PS5 dev could look anything like the real console and the fact that like if that's the way the PS5 really looks, God help me and God help all of us because I don't know how much I can take. Yeah, if that's, that's really <laughs> the, what the console looks like. Yeah, if if that dev kit is the real form factor, that's that's I think objectively uglier than a than a smooth box, you know, like a, like, like it's way uglier than the tower. 
Oh, yeah. That Microsoft no is doubt. making. No doubt about that. If they're making it nice and snug and small, that's fine. But it doesn't even look that small. But I will remind everyone that, ironically, the PS4 dev kit looked kind of I mean, it's not it, it's silver and stuff like that, but it kind of actually looks like the Xbox Series X. So they're playing a little <laughs> bit of a ping pong game right now. Yeah. Although you would lay it on its side, not as a tower. I don't know yeah. if you could put it up and down. All right, Chris, we're only 40 minutes into the show. So now it's time to get into what we're playing. Good Lord. Chris, it says here you're playing The Outer Worlds. Do you have yeah. anything to say about it? No, I still really like it, uh, but I haven't finished it. So I'm just trying to get get through it. I've got to get this game off my list before the new year starts, because uh, I know just next year is just going to is going to hurt me. It's going to hurt it all is. of us in, in many ways, in our wallets and uh, in our souls with the amount of pride. shit that we have to play. Our pride. Yeah, our pride. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. The Outer Worlds is uh, we we discussed this really strange space. I'm in with it now where I'm like, I, don't, I think I haven't played it. Maybe when did it even come out? October? I, I might not have even played it since that time, since like the week or so it came out. I got really far. I played a lot of it, but I'm getting into that dangerous territory now where I'm like, am I going to have to restart this fucking thing? Because if that's true, then I'm not playing it anytime soon. Yeah, then I'm just gonna be like, fuck it. I'm moving on with my life and. I'll just continue to play Civilization Six, which is what I've been playing on PS4. Last week we discussed, and I discussed it on Twitter too. I think I don't. I think I said it here too that it's a game I play pretty blindly, even though I've played it for so many hours. I still don't quite understand everything. And so, <laughs> a few nights ago, I watched a six-part intro tutorial, like put my pride away. Speaking of pride, and been like, let's just pretend I don't know anything about Civilization instead of knowing half of what I need to know about Civilization and watch this literally three-hour sequence of videos. And watched a guy play it. Now I understand the game a lot better. So I uh, started playing it again with the, all those new tri- t- tips and tricks and knowledge in my mind. And it's just a really good game. How does it play with uh, on controller? It's good. I, I wish that I can play it with a mouse and keyboard. I don't know if that's an option in there. I doubt it. it is. And I'm used to playing it with. That's like one of the games I'm actually used to playing with a mouse, ironically. Uh, so you have to get used to it. And when I first started playing it, I, I was confused because I was reading some reviews about it saying like, oh, it, it feels great on PS4 and I'm playing it. I'm like, I, I think this feels like shit. I don't understand. But eventually I got used to it and, it and it works out. It's actually pretty splendid when you think about it, because it's such a deep menu game that to make anything functioning on basically a D-pad and an X, and the X button, which is what the whole game runs on, essentially, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. So. It's really good. It's got all the DLC out there if you want to buy it. You don't have to play it on PS4. In fact, if you have an option to play it on PC, I think you should just play it on PC. But I have to play everything on PS4 because I'm hopeless. <laughs> all right, Chris, let's get into the news yeah, let's in do earnest. It. Number one, Ghost of Tsushima now has a release window. One that came alongside a brand new nearly five minute long trailer for the game as first shown at the Game Awards. Ghost of Tsushima is due exclusively on PlayStation 4 in the summer months of 2020, just like I predicted, in the shadow of PS5's release. According to a write-up on the PlayStation blog, Ghost of Tsushima is unsurprisingly developer Sucker Punch's biggest game to date, and the long wait is due to the team trying to get it just right. Sucker Punch hasn't released a full game since 2014 when Infamous Second Son came to PS4, though it did follow that game up with a robust piece of standalone DLC called Infamous First Light. Sucker Punch came to prominence with its Sly Cooper franchise on PS2 and rose further up the ranks with Infamous and Infamous 2 on PS3. Sony acquired Sucker Punch outright following Infamous 2's launch in 2011. Chabula wrote in, I hope I didn't just say something horrible in Spanish. (laughs) He says, pre the Game Awards, all I knew about Ghost of Tsushima was it had a samurai and that guy played the flute, (laughs) the flute thing. That is a memorable 
uh, part of uh, Ghost of Tsushima's story so far. I had no idea what the game was. That presentation just seemed pretentious, so I ignored any info on it. I watched part of the awards game, uh, the award stream and the segment for Ghost came up. I feel like an idiot for ignoring this game. It piqued my interest and now I might be getting it next summer. Have you ever been turned off by the news of a game only to be surprised by how this game actually is? Hopefully Ghost of Tsushima lives up to the hype. I am feeling for it. It's funny, Chris, I, I don't want to talk about other games right now since we're on the topic of Ghost of Tsushima, but to, towards Chabulo's point, I'm actually not all I'm not like super hyped up about Ghost of Tsushima because I know what it is. It's just another Sony third person action game, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great and I'm excited to play it when the time comes, but it's not one of these games I'm like really looking forward to. And that trailer, while beautiful, didn't really change my mind that much about that. Yeah, I kind of felt weird for having that opinion because it seemed like everybody was super, super stoked on it. But like, yeah, I thought exactly the same thing that you thought. I was like, this is looks fine. It looks like it's probably going to be good. But, you know, I've I've played things like this before, like Sekiro, just one game of the year. And that's like it's it's not I'm not saying it's a Sekiro game, but like I've played the, you know, Japan, you know, sword fight third person action game already. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really all that excited for it. I'll definitely play it, but uh, it looks like exactly how I expected it to look. What I, I feel. Yeah. First of all, I think you're absolutely right. And I like the, the color palette. It's like a lot of like golds. Oh, yeah. It's and gorgeous. And it's stuff. a gorgeous it's really, game. It's, yeah, it's really pretty. And I know that they got out of the way really early, which I appreciated, actually, because I know how fucking pedantic people that play video games can be sometimes, especially people that cover them. But about how like the armor doesn't quite match up to the time period and it's ahistoric and stuff. And it's like, yeah, all right, great. But it is another one of these games. And I don't want to hold it against it too much because it's got to show me something special. But what I've noticed, I haven't seen everything they've put out about the game. And I'm pretty much going to go on blackout for it now. I actually forced myself to watch this trailer just to be able to discuss it on the show. But they've not showed a lot of gameplay. They've shown like a little bit of gameplay here and there. But we don't really know exactly what we're getting yet and you brought up a game like Sekiro which is not a game that I particularly care about but I know how much people love it and how pleased a lot of people were that it won game of the year at the game awards and certainly will come up in our conversation from you but it doesn't seem like it's going to play finally either so I don't know what to make of it and I feel like they've kind of been keeping their hat on this game for a while which makes me a little nervous but I also feel bad because we or not we I mean it's mostly me doing the complaining about games like dreams which are truly different coming from the first party but I, no I don't that's not what I mean though you know it's like give me a shooter give me a story driven game give me a walking simulator then give me one of these or something like that it's just I just feel like we're getting this over and over again and so the game that goes last is going to suffer from that especially because it's coming after the last of us too by the way so yeah We'll see how it all shakes out. Thank you for your question, Chabulo. And Sucker Punch has never let me down, so I guess I shouldn't be that surprised if they don't let me down again. But we'll see how it all shakes out. I will say that Infamous Second Son was considered at the time a weak game compared to Infamous 2, so that is worth noting. Number two, a PlayStation 5 game has officially been announced and revealed a marked change from the more coy next-gen shatter we've largely seen so far. At the Video Game Awards, developer Counterplay Games and publisher Gearbox showed Godfall, a so-called looter slasher, uh-huh, loot-driven RPG that relies on up to four-player co-op. It's aiming for a holiday 2020 release, which basically says it's a PS5 launch game, with PS5 coming out in that time frame. 
While Godfall hasn't been announced for any other console, it's also coming to PC. This is Counterplay's first game. The California-based team is about 75 people strong with veterans from Sony, Bungie, Gorilla, Blizzard, The Coalition, DICE, Respawn, and other studios gracing the team. It's important to note that while Gearbox is acting as publisher, it isn't acting in any development capacity. Gearbox most notably published Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition, We Happy Few, Subnautica, Risk of Rain 2, and other games over the last few years. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Because I know some people get confused about these things. Yeah, it's not going to be like Swarderlands or something. Right, exactly. And it's it's Gearbox isn't making it. Remember, Gearbox published... Like, Gearbox supposedly pu- was making that Alien game, but we know now that they basically just published it in Time Shift or whatever the fuck that studio was called. Made it. Mike Fowler wrote in, and by the way, I didn't write it here, but Mike wrote his full name on Patreon. It's Mike in all capital letters. So it's Mike Fowler says... I wonder if Dustin gets mad at me when I scream into the mic. He says, <laughs> does looter slasher sound better than looter shooter verbally with the Godfall announcement? I think loot shank sh- sounds like neat alternative, like the schluter for shooting. I can't take any of this anymore. I can't. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> you've bro- you've broken him. Chris, what did you think of this Godfall reveal and of the shooter slasher? What is it? No, I'm sorry. Looter. Sh- I don't know. Whatever. Just what did you what, what do you think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it uh, It looks fine. Is literally all I can think about to muster. Like, I don't know, man. The, the I've seen it. I've seen it before. It looks beautiful and everything, but like I've I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen the the swords and the the ancient armors and the big obelisks in the sky. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I've, i I think I'm getting to the point where I've just played too many games now. That I just maybe. look at new yep. games and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks like this. You know? Well, I see a game like this. I watched the trailer again. Everyone was talking about it. So I watched the trailer. First of all, it's just this, it's really just a pretty trite. I mean, no offense to to these guys counterplay into Gearbox, but th- I've seen this. I've seen this trailer probably 500 times at this point. Yeah. You know, like you were saying, like the the armor and the camera gracing over them and these things that are not in game and not really telling you what it is and not really showing you anything and stuff. It's like, all right, that's fine. But I just when I see a game like this being propped up, I'm like, God, it it really isn't. Cha- the next generation really isn't going to change anything at all. And we got to give it a little bit more time to see what the fruits of this new generation are going to bear, because I looked at this and I'm like, I, I don't understand why anyone's excited about this. Other than that, it's a PS5 game and we know it's a PS5 game, but we don't know anything else about it. That seems to be the, the thing that people are excited about. It's that like, oh, it's a PlayStation 5 game. And that's the only reason people are really talking about it. Like, I don't think if, if there was another PS5 game that was announced before this, I don't I don't know if people would be really talking about it that much because it looks it looks fine. But that's that's it, really. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It, it, it's well into development. It's about a year out, not even. Yeah. So we'll see how ambitious it is. A lot of games in this space are failing spectacularly. We're going to talk about another one of them that have closed that is closed. Down. I think I put it in the news. And it, what's interesting about Gearbox publishing this game, they developed and published. Oh, no, they developed and 2K published Battleborn which was kind of like a hero-based multiplayer shooter that, or game, whatever it was, that failed spectacularly. So to get back into this space again is dangerous, to say the very least, I think. And I think that they're just relying on the fact that it's a launch game. Every launch game does well. That's the little-known secret, is that if you can get a game out of launch or near launch, you're going to sell a lot of games. And you see that with the launch of every console. I think PS2 was most notorious for that. There was so much trash 
on PlayStation 2 for the first year, just absolute garbage that was selling. And people convinced themselves, oh, yeah, the summoner is really great. <laughs> Genji is really great. It's like, oh, my God, this game suck. And so I, I just feel like, am I being too harsh? Probably. But maybe that anger is building up inside me, like Mike Fowler wrote in. Mike Fowler wrote in saying, you know, the, looter slasher. I just can't with these names, man. We got to figure out a better way to name this stuff. Looter slasher, even his alternative loot shank. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, I like loot shank. But Schluter, I can't I can't do it. Like Schluter makes me want to actually stop playing video games and go live in like a cabin <laughs> in in the rural parts of Utah or something like that. It is a frustrating word. Horrible. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that at all. Makes me so uncomfortable. Sam Dunham wrote into us and said, I found it rather interesting that Sony allowed a third party to release the first information about a confirmed PlayStation 5 game, especially one that looked as ho-hum as, what was it? Godfall. And then what he say? Godfollow. God something. Do you think they just did this to have something PS5 related at the show to keep in people's heads while Microsoft unveiled the monolith? Just seemed weird. I don't know. First of all, this isn't the first PS5 game announced. A lot of people are saying this, but it's the first time that we've seen PlayStation 5 explicitly called out in a trailer. Yeah. But plenty of games have been announced for PlayStation consoles, in quotes, or for next gen. So it's important to know that this isn't the first PS5 game announced. Definitely not. Yeah. But it is the first game to be of AAA provenance to be shown with the PlayStation 5 name. And, you know, to, to Sam's point, Chris, this might be what we were saying earlier, what I was saying specifically about this might be Sony's way of, sub, of, of subconsciously telling, or I guess they're consciously telling, but subconsciously letting us know that they're also setting soft expectations for the next console. Because this is not an exciting game to reveal at all. No. Shit. I wouldn't even be surprised if they maybe didn't even know that they were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised either just because we know it's called PlayStation 5. Everyone has dev kits. So they could, it, it's not illegal to say PlayStation 5. There's no logo in there. It's not illegal to say that in the, in the trailer. So that's possible. That's possible too. Although I, I would think that Gearbox would be smarter than that. I mean, uh, are you sure? No, because like of all the studios and uh, publishers that I can think of, Gearbox is probably up there as far as the ones that probably get, in, get into the most trouble for all sorts of dumb shit. That's true. They do. Their names are brought up not only in, in collaboration with the founder of the studio, of course, but yeah, just the general shit they do. I mean, anyone who doesn't know the story about Sega and Gearbox in that Aliens game, really interesting stuff. If you go read about it and about how shady that seemed whether or not it was really shady it certainly seemed that way number three a story-driven single-player turn-based rpg was announced at the game awards and interestingly it will hail from the league of legends franchise not surprisingly the reveal trailer shows virtually nothing this is a this was a really bad trailer but we know that the game is called ruined king a league of legends story thank god they didn't call it a league of legends adventure and that's being developed by Texas-based studio Airship Syndicate, which just put out Darksiders Genesis on PC, a game that will be coming to PS4 in February of 2020. Airship Syndicate is in turn working through Riot Forge, which is basically Riot's internal production coordination company that works with third-party entities. That a single-player turn-based RPG would come out of League of Legends is strange because the core game, which began way back in 2009, is a MOBA, or multiplayer online battle arena game, a notoriously multiplayer-centric genre. It's worth noting that they are also developing, not the same studio, but through Riot Forge, they are developing a fighting game internally and doing some other stuff. But this is a game that's coming to console. As far as I could tell in my research, this is the only league game that has been announced for console specifically. Yeah. So uh, we don't know anything else about it. I wouldn't be surprised if this game never came out. 
I don't know that League of Legends has the power behind it that is going to be necessary to propel all of these different spinoff games, a fighting game. You yeah, know? they're working on a shooter, too. A shooter, a third person action game or action RPG. I know League of Legends is huge. I know Riot employs thousands of people. But I did say to a friend of mine that worked at Riot, I'm like, what are you guys going to do about being so they're mono dependent on a franchise? It's not good. It's not a good thing. It's bad. It's a bad thing. Yeah. Also, uh, Riot is completely owned uh, by a Chinese company. As far as I know. Just want to keep throwing that out there just to remind everyone what the, 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 the uh, companies they're doing business with. Yeah. Number four. The MPD results for the month of November 2019 have been revealed, showcasing the best-selling games across digital and retail in the United States. Not surprisingly, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, already this year's best-selling game, was naturally November's best-selling game, with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order slotting in second, Death Stranding at 7, Need for Speed Heat at 9, Borderlands 3 at 12, The Outer Worlds at 13, and Ghost Recon Breakpoint at 18. If you separate sales by a skew-by-skew basis, the top 10 best-selling games on PS4 only for the month were in order. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Death Stranding, Madden NFL 20, Need for Speed Heat, NBA 2K20, FIFA 20, The Outer Worlds, Spider-Man, and Borderlands 3. We've already noted that Modern Warfare is the best-selling game across platforms for the year so far in the U.S. NBA 2K20 is the second best-selling game, with Madden NFL 20, Borderlands 3, and Mortal Kombat 11 rounding out the top five. Six through ten are Kingdom Hearts 3, The Division 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Star, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and Anthem at number ten. Nintendo Switch was once again the best-selling piece of hardware in the U.S. for the month, outselling PS4 slash PS4 Pro. Chris, the game that stands out to me in this list is uh, Need for Speed Heat. Yeah, it's actually kind of shocking. Yeah, the uh, Need for Speed series hasn't been dormant. They keep releasing them, but it's really fallen from grace as it's gotten more and more competition in the both. Not so much the simulator space, which it's not in, but the arcade space. And this game, they kind of announced, as you'll recall, and I'm sure all the audience will recall, they kind of silently announced this game this summer. And they actually announced it at E3, just saying a Need for Speed game is coming. Then they announced Need for Speed Heat, and they barely talked about it. And it seems to quietly just be selling. And as far as I know from different things I've read, it's actually supposed to be pretty good. So mm. that's interesting. And of course, the sports games slotting in NBA 2K20, Madden NFL 20. Unfortunately, these games selling so well is just a sign that what I want to happen so badly, which are platform-based sports games that are updated constantly, it's just not going to happen. I mean, yeah. these games are just... mint. Imagine this. I mean, Madden just covering one sport for one year, already one of the best selling games of the, in the United States for the year. So we'll see. I mean, I don't mind it. Madden's great. Yeah. But for the change to occur that I want to occur, people are going to have to stop buying these games and that's not going to happen. I guess they're I guess people are perfectly happy with them and, and to each his own. I mean, I don't play them anymore, so I don't know that I should be judging too harshly. Yeah, I think people will just get excited to get a new thing. Definitely. I mean, in August and September, when I was younger, that was always Madden and NHL for me every year. I mean, I, I unabashedly bought those games and I used to buy them on on SNES when they were way more expensive than they are now. So, I <laughs> yeah. mean, those games were like 70 bucks in 1993 or whatever. So you got it good. Number five, in a bit of, surpri of a surprise announcement at the Game Awards, the reformed Telltale Games is working on The Wolf Among Us 2, the once announced and since canceled follow up to Telltale's The Wolf Among Us series, which began in 2013 and ran into 2014. It's available on PS3, PS4, Vita and elsewhere, and is based on the Fables comic book franchise. A proper sequel was actually revealed back in 2017, but when Telltale went under in 2018, the game was obviously canceled, along with most of the rest of its slate. 
An entity called LGC Entertainment has since come in to resuscitate Telltale's name, directive, and even its catalog, as we discussed on a previous episode. And this development is part of that attempt. Interestingly, Telltale, is, as it's currently constructed, is actually contracting this game out to a team called Ad Hoc Studio, which is a smaller California-based team largely constructed from ex-Telltale employees. Its release date is unknown, as if, as is, I can't speak, Chris. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this all up. As is if it will be launched episodically per Telltale Tradition or as one game. That's why you should read out loud the various things you say. Uh, Dustin cut out the other five times that I flubbed, I'm sure. But Chris, this is an interesting story for multiple reasons. Telltale doesn't own the Wolf Among Us series. They announced a game which they then canceled a long time ago. They announced it in 2017, canceled it in 2018. This LGC Entertainment Company uh, came through, resuscitated the name. They finished Walking Dead season three famously. Now they've got permission to work on The Wolf Among Us part two through the comic book holder. Telltale's working through Ad Hoc Studio, which is a third party made of ex-Telltale employees. Do you understand all of that? Yeah, That's it's a, a hell of a story. It was kind of sad, actually, in a way when this was announced, because there were a lot of people online that worked at Telltale that were like, oh, we're not working on this. And it kind of was like it seemed like a story of the haves and have nots, like the cool kids in quotes, it seemed like went to ad hoc studio and then got the game and yeah. then everyone else was kind of left out in the dust. So it was kind of kind of a sad thing from that perspective. But uh, congratulations to Telltale. It seems like they're back on their way to prominence. Yeah, that's interesting. That was the one of the things that the show that I was like, oh, no, look at that. I mean, that company, it's so funny, man, how quickly it moved because that company came out of nowhere. They made obviously a bunch of games like the Back to the Future games and Jurassic Park and stuff. No one gave a shit. Then they made The Walking Dead. In 2012, they they rose to prominence and then they fell from prominence really quickly and then they rose back up to prominence again or, or, or so it seems. And this all happened within like six years, seven years. So pretty interesting. Number six, Sony has revealed the best selling games on PlayStation Store for the month of November 2020. Not surprisingly, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, already the best selling game of 2020, topped the charts with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Death Stranding, Need for Speed Heat and Grand Theft Auto 5 rounding out the top five. So pretty similar to physical plus retail. Other notable games include God of War at 9, The Outer Worlds at 10, Spider-Man at 12, Castle Crashers Remastered at 15, put that in in there for you, Chris, and Days Gone at 16. Beat Saber was once again PSVR's best-selling game with Old Reliables, Job Simulator, Super Hot VR, Astrobot Rescue Mission, and Moss rounding out the top five. Moss is great. Fortnite and Apex Legends were PS4's most played free-to-play games of the month, and Fortnite, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and Destiny 2 all had high-selling DLC packs. So there's that. Wasn't that just splendid? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Number seven, a new Fast and Furious video game is coming, and it's a bit of a surprise (laughs) considering who's working on it and in what way. The game is called Fast and Furious Crossroads, and it's due to come out alongside Fast and Furious 9, which is the movie, in May of 2020. Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and Tyrese Gibson are all reprising their roles from the film and the game, according to a press release. And the game itself is is described as a, quote, team-based vehicular heist action game, end quote. The interesting part of all of this is that it's being developed by Slightly Mad Studios. This is strange because Slightly Mad was just purchased by Codemasters last week. And yet Codemasters isn't acting as publisher. Instead, Bandai Namco, Slightly Mad's previous publishing partner with Project Cars, is publishing. So this is a little bit complicated, too. It's interesting because in the press release, Codemasters is mentioned because they own Slightly Mad Studios. So this isn't something that was just happening out of the blue. But it was surprising that Slightly Mad's first announced game is hap- after the Codemasters acquisition is happening a week after the acquisition was announced and Bandai Namco is publishing the game. So a little bit strange. Yeah. Casey Wright wrote in and said, hello, extremely farsighted Chris and moderately farsighted Colin. What was up with that Fast and Furious game? It looks so bad. Why even show it at the Game Awards when it looked that bad? I was actually a little. I only scrubbed through the trailer after watching about 20 seconds. I'm just like, all right. But it did look pretty bad. What did you think about uh, it, this game? It, it looked like a 360 game. Like, without a doubt, that looked like a very, very, it's, it, it's all the more jarring seeing that, that game well after, like, Hellblade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just seeing the, uh, <laughs> just, even, even just when you compare it to the original Hellblade, like, it, the original Hellblade's in-game graphical fidelity, it looks, uh, I don't know, man, this game looks dated as shit. And the fact that it's, uh, <laughs> a movie tie-in game is just even more reminiscent of how things used to be. It's, it's a great point. It, it's there's something really interesting about it being a movie tie in because they're so rare. Yeah. But at the same time these days. But at the same time, you know what this reminds me a little bit of? Not in the in the gameplay style, but it reminds me of that recently released turn based strategy game Narcos based on the. Yeah. The Narcos Netflix series where it seems like. I always found the the dissolution of the A space in games and the dissolution of all properties uh, like that are used in outside of games in games to be a little weird because not everything was a strikeout and not everything needs to be triple A or indie or independently released or made by a team of five people. And so the only thing I could take away from this game, Fast and Furious game, they they dropped the the two thuds from this at some point, I guess the fast and the furious used to be called. Wasn't that what it was called back in the day? Yeah. So I'm a little confused by that, too, but I'm out of it. I'm very old. But it just reminded me of that Narcos game in the sense that, well, maybe some people are getting privy to the fact that you can make a game for less than $10 million, right? Like, think about Control cost $30 million to make. You can make a game for a third that much or even less and have an IP attached to it that helps you sell and have something that is moderately entertaining or moderately of high production value or that doesn't really make any sense moderate production value and so maybe this I'm kind of rooting for this game in the sense that like I kind of want something like this to happen 
yeah, so yeah. that we can explore this space again. Similar to like how I kind of wanted that Generation Zero game we always bring up to succeed, not because it was from anything, but because I was like, this is weird. This is just a weird game that they made out of nowhere. It would be nice if it was good. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Generation Zero looks way worse and is way worse than this game should probably be. But that's what it reminded yeah, yeah. me of anyway. I don't know. I think the that double A space is starting to grow again, especially with uh, THQ Nordic just sort of uh, absorbing literally everything that could be revived in that space. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I feel like we're, they've been doing we're, a great job with that. Yeah. I mean, we're heading off into a, a, a rich double A future. It's there's something really well, we said about it with Twin Breakers, not a double A or an A game. It's an independent game made by one person. So I want to be clear, I'm not comparing them, but that's kind of what I'm saying with our game, right? With Twin Breaker is that I kind of want to mess around in a different space. Now, I I think some people can look at our space and be like, well, there are a bunch of 2D retro games and all that. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But there aren't that many Brick Breakers and story driven Brick Breakers. And I'm trying to like carve out a little bit of a niche. And so yeah. it's cool to see others maybe trying to carve out a little bit of their niche, too. The only thing you have to keep an eye, keep an eye on is you just got to keep costs down. Then you can release all sorts of games like this. But you got to keep costs down and quality high. And yeah. that's when we were kids. That wasn't that uncommon. We'd actually it's funny, man, when you really think about it, about the AAA space day when we were younger. Tr- AAA wasn't that prevalent. It wasn't there were actually much more of differentiator, many more differentiators between different styles of game that all can be included in the A space. And it sucks that it's just like triple A, one hundred million dollar plus game or twin breaker, <laughs> you know, like we're <laughs> Yeah. But we need like shit in between. And I'm excited about that because I don't want any more of those games. Every every week that goes by where one of those games isn't announced is a good week for me. Yeah, because I can't I can't take it anymore. I mean, just imagine how we're going to be inundated when PS5 comes out. It's just going to be fucking bonkers. I know it. Number eight. In 2001, a popular action RPG came to PlayStation 2 from the Baldur's Gate series. It was called Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, and it was catered to console players. While the original Baldur's Gate franchise was at the time a PC only hardcore RPG, and it was made by a studio called Snowblind, which was acquired by Warner Brothers and folded into Monolith, the team most notably notably behind a couple of popular Lord of the Rings games. So a little bit of history there for you that I actually didn't know about until I started reading. Anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying that a spiritual successor to the popular, I'm sorry, the spiritual successor, successor to the game was revealed at the Game Awards and is coming to PS4 and other platforms in late 2020. This time around, the game is called Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, and it's an action RPG toting both local and online co-op. The game is being developed by a French-Canadian team called Tuk, T-U-Q-U-E, which I think is actually the French or Canadian word for beanie, like a beanie that you wear is called oh, a Tuk. so nice. In Canadian, which was actually purchased by D&D owner Wizards of the Coast just two months ago. This means Dark Alliance is technically an internally developed game. Took's only other game is a PC only twin stick shooter called Live Lock. I actually looked this up. The game looks really cool. Never heard of it. Probably because it's only on PC. <laughs> Did you see the trailer for Dark Alliance? I this scrubbed through it. T- talk to me a little bit about it. I, I mean, I don't have much to say about it. I don't know much about Dark Alliance, but I uh, or, or uh, Dungeons and Dragons or Baldur's Gate or any of this shit. But I did know that that trailer looked uh, a little bit awkward. A little bit weird. They ha- they did this thing where they like fixed the camera to very specific parts of characters' bodies as they were fighting, and it made things look a little oh, bit yes. weird. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and it was like they also had uh, <laughs> like really two thousand seven like not Breaking Benjamin, but like almost. <laughs> like I used to love Breaking Benjamin. I mean, I like Breaking yeah, Benjamin yeah. too. I still like. Breaking oh, I don't Benjamin mind if you're making fun of them or not. Yeah, no, no, I understand exactly what you mean though. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like a trailer that came out of uh, like a like like a uh, way different time. 
but whatever. I mean, it's, it's probably fine. My favorite thing about Breaking Benjamin is that he does that, sh- that the singer does that share like thing with his voice where he's yeah. like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly. What you're <laughs> you know, Breaking Benjamin was uh, Breaking Benjamin. There was like a key level at the end of Halo 2 where Breaking Benjamin just starts playing. Yeah. yeah there, what is that? Such blow a, me away. Yeah, it was blow what, me away. That wasn't that song. And that song's so good. First of all, it is a great song. And there's a lot of legal drama around that song that I think actually caused the band to break up. Oh, really? Because now it's now it's like just the Ben Ben Turley guy or whatever his name is with with uh, like just random other people. Yeah. yeah, apparently. So I don't I only know this because I, I really loved Breaking Benjamin, especially their first two records. Saturate is such a good record. But the uh, I was reading about it because they, they stopped playing and then they broke up or whatever. But apparently they released like a best of album through Hollywood Records, their their label at the time. And the bassist and guitarist signed off without the singer on the record, which included a re-released version of Blow Me Away or whatever with this female singer doing like the backing vocals. And apparently the Ben guy like freaked out and fired everyone because he apparently owns all the songs and the names. And, and it's so so Halo 2 is responsible for the band breaking up, I guess is what I'm saying. Good. Thanks, Halo. We didn't really need it. I saw Breaking Benjamin live a few times with like some of the most the who's who of early 2000s rock bands like yeah. i saw them with three days grace once uh, <laughs> i saw them with corn once <laughs> three days grace i haven't I... I think i saw them with zebra head so yeah but a, a few few interesting throw uh, throwbacks there chris number nine is the wrap-up pretty long one this week developer nether realm revealed that batman's the joker will be coming to mortal Kombat 11 on january 28th a new Magic-themed MMO called Magic Legends is coming to PS4 and elsewhere with a release date unknown, though a beta period has been promised at some point in 2020. Surgeon Simulator 2 has been revealed by Boston Studios, though it's unclear what platforms it'll be coming to. It's likely PlayStation bound as the original is on PlayStation 4. Developer yeah. Obsidian has confirmed that the Outer Worlds will be getting DLC in 2020, though any specific details beyond that are currently unknown. Square Enix has confirmed a delay for Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition on PS4 and other platforms. So I know Chris was looking forward to that. Originally slated to come out in January on January 23rd, early next year, it will now come out at some other point in the summer of 2020. The multiplayer shooter Planetside Arena has had its plug pulled after only three months or so on the market, thus canceling its planned PS4 port. That was a really sad one to read because that's that's a Daybreak game. Daybreak was Sony Online Entertainment for a really long time. So they yeah. made all of those. I mean, I didn't give a shit about them, but some of the some of those MMOs that people really loved, specifically DC Universe Online. Website Gamatsu reports that JRPG Hero Must Die Again is coming to PS4 in 2020. That RPG East Memories of Celsida, which is an awesome game, which was previously released on Vita in 2013, is coming to Western PS4s in the spring of 2020. 2D puzzle platformers La Mulana 1 and 2 collection is coming to PS4 on March 17th, 2020. That side-scrolling action game Load Runner Legacy is coming to PS4 in early 2020. That brawler Orange Blood is coming to PS4 on January 14th, 2020. That looks pretty cool. And that horror game Infliction Extended Cut is coming to PS4 on February 25th, 2020. Gamatsu also reports that publisher Atlas trademarked the name and logo in Japan for a game called Persona 5 Strikers or Persona 5S, though we don't know anything else about it. It's likely that that's a fighting game from Arc System Works in the same vein as Persona 4 Arena, but we don't know any of that yet. Push Square reports that Shark Simulating Maneater is coming to PS4 on May 22nd, 2020. That Simulator Two Point Hospital is coming to PS4 in February of 2020. And that Adventure Game Sail Forth is coming to PS4 at some point in 2020. Developer Way Forward has revealed that it's all new Shantae game. I can't wait. Shantae and the Seven Sirens will be coming to PS4 in the spring of 2020. And finally, 
Capcom has revealed that Resident Evil 2 Remake has surpassed 5 million units, officially outselling the original Resident Evil 2, launched first on PS1 back in 1998. Oh, man, that's so cool. Pretty surprising. Yeah, it's really cool. I love that. Do you think the Joker that's coming to Mortal Kombat 11 is Joaquin Phoenix? I'd like to think that it's the guy from 30 Seconds to Mars. That Joker. (laughs) Right. Jared Leto. (laughs) Yeah. I always forgot that he, he was in that band. Yeah, I, I, I that's another band I used to love, but uh, because he was like kind of a big actor for a little while, then he made 30 for seconds for Mars and then he kind of came back into acting. Yeah. So there was like a little time period, like when their first record came out in 2002, I think I was a senior in high school or a freshman in college. He wasn't really acting anymore. Anyway, this I don't know what we're even talking about. Chris, just a real quick. I wanted to say this to you specifically. I mentioned here that East and that's. It's pronounced East, but or E's, but it's Y-S for people that don't know Y-S. Memories of Celsida, which was a Vita game. You might really like that series. I'd be interested to see what you thought of it because it's an action RPG, but it's like an old school hack and slash action RPG. It doesn't require a lot of thought. It's just fun to hack and slash and kill shit. You might yeah. want to check it out. Yeah, I might. That series goes all the way back to TurboGrafx-16 if people want a little history lesson. Good, uh, good Lord. I think the first one, I think East 1 and 2, book East 1 and 2 came out like 1988 or 1989. And then East 3 was the first one to migrate off Turbo Graphics. That was called Wanderers from East, and that came to Super Nintendo in, I think, 1994. Anyway, Chris, let's get into the new game releases. There are a lot of them. And by the way, I cannot wait for you to read this first one, because as tradition dictates, you always go first. So I kick it over to you. Oh, how great. This uh, is already giving me a aneurysm. 3M Spain Foundation STEM Plus VR comes to PSVR. Jesus. Uh, An educational project of scientific dissemination to encourage STEM vocation in children. Includes four individual experiences of virtual reality, uh, science, math, technology, and engineering block to be lived in groups of three players where they learn specific content and meet challenges in a collaborative way. I That didn't even feel like English. So it's not. And uh, well, what's funny is that it might not have been in since it's from 3M Spain. It might have been, literally been in Spanish originally. But the uh, 3M is the big multinational company that owns all sorts of shit. I guess 3M Spain is their Spanish version. And 3M Spain Foundation is like a non for nonprofit foundation run by them. See, this game could have just been called STEM plus VR and been much more enticing because the idea is cool. Like, I yeah. think that's a neat idea. STEM is very important. You know, now it's my so my sisters are teachers and my sister in law is a teacher. My cousin's a teacher. I have a lot of public school teachers in my family. And I actually went to my my sister's daughter's school when I was in Virginia for Thanksgiving to do some to see her like in a little play or whatever. And I noticed that the STEM sign said steam like S.T.E.A.M. And they've added art into STEM now. And I had a big problem with that simply because I'm like, doesn't that isn't that just everything now? Yeah. Like the only thing it leaves out now are the humanities, the only thing I'm good at. But now art <laughs> now arts in there. And my sister actually made a really good point. My sister is an artist and she's an art teacher. And she was saying that the reason it's in there is because you need like people to adapt these very linear things in a creative way, which is actually makes a lot of sense. But I, I just had a problem with it. because I'm like, that's literally S.T.E.A.M. is almost everything. Like, what else is there? Yeah, history. I guess, yeah, Jim. That, that is a that is a fair point. Makes me feel very alienated as a history major. Art Pulse comes to PSVR. 
Art Pulse offers an artistic VR sandbox to play and express your creativity. Spawn and combine shapes, colors, and freehand painting to sync them seamlessly into the background music. You don't even need to be an experienced artist or musician to make cool stuff. You can just create and let the game elevate itself. Cool. Okay. Uh, Bayala, the game, comes to PS4. Plunge into the magical world of elves. A spellbinding... <laughs> <laughs> a spellbinding elfin adventure. Accompany Sura on the magical journey across Bayala. Oh my god. When the dragons <laughs> when the dragons disappear, the power of magic might vanish too. Together with Sura, set off on an adventure packed journey through forests into caves and across Bayala's dragon mountains. Bayala is a place the uh, 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 apparently, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess but it's so. not capitalized. No, not in so e it's, it's not uh, a proper noun in either mention, uh, except for the title. So. I thought you were gonna. I didn't know if you were actually gonna make it through that one. So I'm going. What What keeps standing out to me is they say magic might, which is fine, but that just reminds me of might and magic a little bit. Reminds and, me of Magic uh, Mike, that stripper movie. Oh, that too, and also uh, I I I'm not gonna plunge into a magical world of elves. I'm just <laughs> not gonna do that. It's a really really weird way to say that. Now, Chris, what are your thoughts? Because we've gotten a lot of input on this. Do we write when Twin Breaker comes out Q1 2020 on PS4 and Vita? Do we write? Do I write a bad write up or do we do like a real one? That's I'm kind of a little I'm like really half and half on this. Yeah, I don't know. We should flip a coin. That's a great idea. Flipping a coin usually is like the, it, it's just the best. No, like flipping a coin is like the best way to just decide on something. It really is. I agree. Totally up to up to fate. Because I know that most people that read it are not going to know what our game is, and I don't want to make us sound like fucking idiots. But I also know that I almost feel like I have a duty now that I'm actually able to write and submit one of these to make it as horrible as possible. And yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to think about it. Don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Demon Pit comes to PS4. Arise, Demon Hunter. It is time. The years you spent slaughtering demon kind in the mortal world did little to cleanse your soul. Your sins have been laid bare and you have been judged. You are damned for eternity. The pit awaits. It's pretty oh, good. Nice. I would have liked to. Have, I would have liked to have known what kind of game it was, but I like that writing. Otherwise, <laughs> I do like it. Yeah. Uh, OK. Uh, demons with shotguns comes to PS4. The ultimate couch fragger gib fast or jib fast. I don't Not know what really that sure. means. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> Just left it in there. <laughs> Armed with the powerful boomstick and bullet deflecting shield, up to four players wage unholy war against each other as they compete for souls in nine different local multiplayer game modes across four realms and 40 arenas. This demonic local multiplayer action is at its bloodiest. Well, we have our demon selection, I guess, this week. You can yeah, get demon lot, pit or demons with shotguns. A lot of demons. Demon, demons with shotguns is a pretty good name, actually. Yeah. Dream Ball comes to PS4. That's what they call my my package. They call it Dream Balls. Dream Awful. That's a yeah, really wasn't wasn't even funny. Dream Ball is a fun sports game with ragdoll physics set in dreams, set in dreams, not the game dreams, but just oh in, in dreams generally with one clear objective. Try to score more than your opponent before time's up. Play up in the space. That's what it says. Under the sea in a pirate <laughs> island. That's what it says. Under the sea. It does. Let your imagination fly or let be carried by what? <laughs> let your imagination fly or let be carried by ours. Ready to dream? Immerse yourself in this world of dreams. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Dude, how many times? One. Four, four uses of the word dreams. Five, actually. 
Yeah, oh, great. it's so good. I, I love I love this. No one cares. I love when uh, you struggle because I, uh, it makes me feel like you understand. <laughs> I don't, don't totally get it. Helmut, the badass from hell, is a fast-paced bulletstorm dungeon crawler that cranks up the nonsense to 11 and puts you right in the thick of it. Take control of various transformations and unlock new transformations each time you, comp- you complete the game. This confused me for a second because bulletstorm is a, a literal game. Yeah, that's not a... Sh- so. I think they meant bullet hell. Yeah. Which oh, well. is a little concerning because they made the game. Yeah, oh, well. So you think they would know the genre. Hero Hero comes to PS4. Hero Hero is a vertical shoot 'em up with beautiful pixel art graphics inspired by many old school classics. Staged across nine action-packed levels, Hero Hero features a unique and fresh approach to the popular color polarity mechanic. That is popular, isn't it? With interactive level elements, color zones, reflective surfaces, and much more. <laughs> approach to the popular color polarity mechanic? Yeah, I don't know what like that Ikaruga? means. All right. I, That's I fine. Don't know. I have no idea. Mini Motor Racing X comes to PS4 and PSVR. Uh, grab your controller or VR headset and dive into the high octane frenzy that is Mini Motor Racing X. Uh, the classic Mini Motor career mode is back with hundreds of races, dozens of cars to unlock and upgrade, and four fiendish championships to master. But that's not all. Mini Motor Racing X adds some firepower to the mix with new Type X mode. I appreciate that you read out the full name because here it's just said MMRX. Yeah, I, you, you could have gotten away with either. But you yeah, didn't. well, uh, it would only be the third time that that's written in the write-up, so it's cool. I appreciate that. You, I really I don't you understand. We know what the game is. We're reading the we're reading the description of the name of the, of the game. You don't need the name of the game in it. You really don't. I agree. I'm going to put the name in ours though. End Dreams VR Bundle comes to PSVR. Four incredible VR titles at one low price. Shooty Fruity, The Assembly, Perfect, and Bloody Zombies. Defend your store from mutant fruit. Discover a morally challenging organization from constra- from contrasting per- contrasting perspectives. I'm sorry. Slip away to beautiful and relaxing lo- locations or fight the undead plague in hand-to-hand combat. All right. All right. Uh, party trivia comes to PS4. Jam. <laughs> Very literal. <laughs> Yeah, jam-packed with over 6,000 multiple-choice trivia questions in four genre categories, no game will be the same. Party trivia is party gaming at its very best in an easy, out-of-the-box, pick-up-and-play way that keeps everyone at the edge of their seat. I appreciate the literal nature of the name. I bet you it sells pretty well because of that, actually. Yeah, yeah literally, probably. Like, if you're just looking for party trivia games, it's probably going to be one of the first things that comes up. Indeed. So it's uh, pretty smart. Regions of Ruin comes to PS4. Oh, it reminds me of the canceled PS3 and Vita game Ruin. Ever wonder what would happen if kingdom met if happened if kingdom the fuck is kingdom they're saying it like it's a popular or a a proper noun I guess it is met a broad skill based open world RPG welcome to regions of ruin regions of regions of ruin is a 2D (laughs) side scrolling action uh, side scrolling RPG with town building and an open world that progressively challenges your hero and settlement the further you delve into the vast continent what is kingdom I don't know (laughs) three times you had to say the name though in that in that yeah, thank I God. Just, oh, man. God help us. Uh, what is it? Sacralith the Archer's Tale comes to PSVR. Sacralith the Archer's Tale is a <laughs> VR bow shooter. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, with good. bow and arrow and magic. Oh, wait, what? With bow, arrow and magic, help your brothers overcome all threats in the way of the main goal. <laughs> the magic stone called Sacralith uh, that grants a power over dragons. What kind right. of power? I Sexy don't know. power? I like... Bows specifically are a really good VR thing. 
I think. Like, like if I was like my ape brain seems to really think that that's a good idea. Because there's yeah. so much tactile, you know, like arm movements in just using a bow. You know what it kind of vaguely reminds me? Of? Well, it very vaguely reminds me of Sports Champions, which was the original uh, PlayStation Move game that came oh, out in yeah. 2010. But what it actually reminds me of is Link's crossbow training on Wii. Do you remember that game? I by do. Chance? I didn't play. You it. actually, I bought, I bought it, and you had a, you bought the game. It didn't come in a case, as I recall. It came in like a little sleeve, and then you got like a peripheral, like a bow peripheral. It was kind of fun, but mm. I just wanted to play with my Wiimote. Soccer pinball comes to PS4. Those are two different things. Choose your team and beat your opponent. Have a soccer match with your friend or family member on the pinball field. You will try to score as much as possible within a match. Be the best and write your name on the leaderboard and your mini audience will always cheer you on. All right. I wish I had a mini audience that cheered me on all the time. You have the ro- the roaches in the wall. Oh, yeah, that's right. The ones that have, I think, uh, they're building a space travel and have uh, probably left. <laughs> Yeah, they're gone. Uh, <laughs> Stramium Immortally. I swear, I swear I've read this before. Stramium Immortally uh, comes to PS4. Bosses and beasties abound in this bizarre and vibrant roguelite shmup? Sh- shup? Shump? Shump, yeah. Shmu- what is a uh, shump? I don't know what a shump is. I know what a shmup <laughs> is. I don't know what, what a shump. What the sh- fuck is a shump? <laughs> <laughs> the, ter- the turn is shmup. And I don't know right. why, but it is spelled shump. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, shump dungeon crawler hybrid armed with a jetpack and a smorgasbord of weapons and power up. Stramium immortally fits your lone warrior against the forces of the queenie empress. That's what it says. <laughs> Agility, precision, and loads of loot are your only means of surviving cubicus. They really don't care, do they? They really just don't care. <laughs> what the fuck is a shump, man? What the I fuck need... is a shump? <laughs> right. you, you do this next one. I have to look this up. All right. So I, I really think that that's a typo, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure. Tamashi comes to PS4. Tamashi is a puzzle platformer set in a distorted world of striking horror <laughs> and unsettling imagery. So it's like our lives. A mystery stranger is summoned to this twisted hell to discover the source of evil that emanates from within. Can you survive the devilish traps, tricky puzzles, and monstrous beings looming, looming, I'm sorry, in the dark, it's not blooming, looming in its dark corridors? Did you find any answer? Yeah, so it is definitely a typo. Because yeah. I de- <laughs> Yeah, it just says shoot them up and then it autocorrects. When you, so when you care about your a- names, when you care about your game so little that you <laughs> misspell the genre, at least they know, they don't think, what was the other one where they just made the genre up? Oh, yeah. Uh, helmet. Like Bulletstorm, yeah. Bulletstorm. Maybe Bulletstorm is a new term, I don't know, but it's bullet hell. From as yeah. far as I know. Anyway, whatever. And we don't know what the game is, so who, who the fuck? I don't know. Yeah, maybe don't, it's, maybe be... it's not a bullet hell. Now I got to pull back. Now that we're releasing a game, I got to pull back. Everyone's going to make fun of us now. Yeah. We'll probably do that uh, well enough. The inner... F- we, should, we should have just some random people write the name for the... Or write the, uh, write the write-up for our game That's without brilliant. knowing what it is and then pick the funniest one. That's a really good idea. I love that. That's great. That's the exactly inner friend... My God, the inner friend comes to PS4. Descend into an eerie world made of scattered memories and unresolved traumas and explore a nightmarish landscape where you will come face to face with childhood fears and nightmares. Led by a mysterious shadow, face fears and nightmares inhabiting its materialized subconscious universe. I don't think this game sounds bad. I'm just laughing because like we seem to always... I feel like I often read ones that are heavily focused on trauma and deep sadness. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do seem to get most of those. That's not intentional. 
It's just kind of funny. Treasure Rangers comes to PS4. Treasure Rangers is a fun puzzle and platforming challenge where you'll need you'll need to combine the unique skills of all the characters to advance. Meet Lucy, Eric, Roxy, and Randy, a kid with autism, an experience. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, meet Lucy, Eric, Roxy, and Rand. Are the, the, all right the the. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I don't know if they're saying Randy is the kid with autism or you're also meeting a kid with autism. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Meet Lucy, Eric, Roxy, and Randy, a kid with autism, and experience an incredible adventure in the magic-filled underground caverns beneath the neighborhood. For your friends, join the squad and solve the mystery. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that that's coming. probably like a fine game, literally. Like, I feel bad for laughing at it. I just wasn't, I just was not expecting that at all. <laughs> I we're just having fun. We're not making fun of anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I had the same thing. It was just like, I thought they were just being like super mean about it where they were like, yeah, and like, here's Lucy, Eric, <laughs> Roxy and Randy. And also here's just this random kid with autism that we didn't name. I assume uh, Randy is the kid with autism. We'll find out yeah, I guess, yeah. when you play Treasure Rangers. Yeah. OK. Oh, my God. Uh, that was a really that was a t- rough laugh. Uh, unit f- <laughs> Unit Four comes to PS4. An alien army has stolen the sacred artifact of our hero's tribe. Similar reports are coming in from other planets. Problem: the solar system will decay without the power of these artifacts. Begin an epic journey to uncover the truth. Can you recover the artifacts before the universe collapses? Yeah, you are getting all these <laughs> about a collapsing universe. That's of course the uh, prequel to Unit Thirteen. Oh, on Vita. I'm only kidding. It's not actually a prequel. No. I want to go back to this other one, though. Lucy, Eric, Roxy and Randy, a kid with autism. I think that I think Randy is the kid with autism. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think you're right. They wouldn't just both me uh, and, not both me and Randy, the kid. Yeah, <laughs> both me and Randy, the kids with autism. All right. Let's see here. Untitled Goose Game comes to PS4. Maybe you've heard about Ultimate Goose Game already, but in case you haven't, we'll catch you up. You said it's, Ultimate. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I did. Maybe you've heard about Untitled. I'm not doing it again. Maybe you've heard about Untitled Goose Game already, but in case you haven't, we'll catch you up. It's a lovely morning in a village and you're a horrible goose. That's pretty much it. I like that. All right. I like that. That's a that's a good write up. A little presumptuous, but yeah, yeah. but I mean, I mean, they're not wrong also. No, they're not. Wadham comes to PS4. Immerse yourself in the creative mind of God. Keita Takahashi, right? Keita? Keita? Kaida Takahashi, yep. Kaida Takahashi in Wadham. Explore a lonely world where everything has vanished and all seems lost. Play solo or same screen. <laughs> Play solo or same screen uh, co-op uh, to help Mayor. Oh, I was expecting a name after that. To help Mayor rediscover his joys of friendship or the joys of friendship, restore his lost memories, and reconnect with the world itself. This is uh, Katamari Damacy people. Yep, uh, this is their it, that, game. It, that is that is it. Yes, that game's been in development forever. Uh, I don't I'm not particularly interested in it. Sony was pu- pushing it itself for a little while. And actually, it was in state of play, I think, two times ago as well. So people can go check that out. Yeah. Word maze by Paugi. I feel like this game has come out seven times already. But PS4 and Vita like a wi- like a wiggly word search. That's what it's, I I thought it was being like like a wiggly word search. Find the words to solve the maze. It's a new and unique word search variation exclusive to Paugi. All exclamation points at the end of all those sentences, by the way. <laughs> Very exciting. Xenoraptor comes to PS4. Xenoraptor is a frantic and frenzied twin-stick shooter pitting ridiculously armed space dragons against an interstellar armada. 
strip your (laughs) strip your defeated foes off their parts what of their parts god damn it strip your defeated foes uh i'm not reading this again strip your defeated foes uh of their parts (laughs) to assemble the ultimate weapon xenoraptor is bullet hell action with countless tactical possibilities there you go yeah It's, it's not bullet storm and finally exposed as an x p o s e d comes to ps4 pure gameplay pure fun exposed is a modern and challenging tribute to the arcade classics avoid opponents be aware of your surroundings expose the covered area and have lots of fun don't tell me what to do simple controls demanding levels but rewarding experience i don't know what that means i don't either what but that's all is that how many games were I mean, i'm not trying to again we make fun of things all the time i don't care if people think we're making fun of them we probably are doesn't speak to the quality of the games but man there's a lot of there's a lot this yeah. week of just things coming up. So I have no recommendations personally. None. Yeah, I uh, Goose Game is fun. Uh, uh, that's about it. That's all that I can think of. Demon Pit and Dragons with Shotguns sound fun. Yeah, but, th- there's uh, a few games that sound pretty good. Yeah, yeah but that's that's just because I like I like anything with demons in it. Untitled. I hate to be. I'm going to be this. I mean, I've been in Sky for what, eight years. So I'll just continue to be this guy. Untitled Goose Game sounds like it would be great on Vita. But I, I'm going to have oh, to yeah. sit down. And, it it, it I mean, definitely will. But it's uh, it would be. We're many years away from getting anything like that now. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, Chris, as tradition dictates, we'll wrap up this episode of Sacred Symbols with your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. Not Chris's, but yours, the audience's. That you submit on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. We appreciate your support over there. And remember, by the way, if your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, or ideas don't get into the show, you have a second crack. You have a second at bat if you want to use a baseball reference, because uh, we're doing our mailbags once or twice a month over on Sacred Symbols Plus, in addition to all of our Sacred Symbols Plus episodes. So we take a lot of these questions, put them in that document. We're slowly getting through them. I think we're like 10 episodes behind right now on getting through those questions. But just wanted to not let you be discouraged in case you are out there. You can be discouraged for other reasons. I can't control that. But don't be (laughs) discouraged for this. Chris, let's start with Mike Goodings. He said, Ahoy, CNC. Just wondering, do either of you ever bother to change your PS4 theme? I'll often use one if it's free. He says free in all capital letters and is related to something I'm playing. Otherwise, good luck using the PS Store to find a decent theme. It's near impossible. Good luck playing the, using the PlayStation Store to find anything. Yeah, uh, Mike. Chris, are you a theme person? Yeah, sometimes I change them. I wish there was an option to disable music, though, for most of them. So like right now, I just have a custom theme. I'm a, I'm a complete asshole. And I have a screenshot of the Halo Infinite trailer as uh, my oh. PS4 background because I like to uh, I like to watch Adam's split at the very core. You're tempting fate. Um, yeah, tempting fate, dividing by zero, if you will. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I'll switch it up. I like the way the Red Dead Two theme one looks, but it's just so many of them come with unnecessary sounds that uh, I don't like. I like my menus to be silent. Me too, uh, personally, and that's always like a thing that. I, I would if there was just a slider that allowed you to just like mute the audio, I would probably change my theme a lot because I just like I like changing things up because like things sometimes feel a bit stale. I used to do this with my room a lot back when I lived in New York. I would like rearrange my room like twice a year just because it would like 
begin to get monotonous just waking up facing the same direction and like looking at the same shit. No, I, I hear that 100%. It's interesting because this just goes, I mean, this isn't really that important, I guess, but it goes into how there just needs to be a little tweaks in PS5 because you can shut off audio, like the music, the background music on PS5 and stuff or PS4 and stuff like that. It would be cool, like Chris is saying, if themes had those selections as well. But I only think I had one or two themes ever. I think I had the 20th anniversary theme for like a little while and I had the Mega Man Legacy Collection theme. But I'm a blue background guy. I don't use folders. I try to annoy people as much as possible, basically, with the, the way I play PS4. So I like the standard blue background, no music, just no folders, just complete wanton disregard for all the norms of society. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Chris Garcia wrote in. Said hello, Colin and Chris. It seems like games journalists haven't give death haven't given Death Stranding a fair shake. It seems like most people that have given the game a fair shake seem to enjoy it, and the loudest ones are people who didn't play it or didn't put in enough time to fully experience what Kojima was doing. My question is this: Why do you think there is so much disdain for the game, and how do you feel about it as a game of the year contender? Thanks and keep up the awesome work, Chris. What do you make of the divisive nature of Death Stranding? We've talked. A lot about Death Stranding. We did a spoiler cast about it on Sacred Symbols Plus for people that didn't listen to it yet and go check that out. But what did you think, Chris, about Death Stranding's kind of divisiveness? To, to me, it really doesn't surprise me a great deal because it is a really weird game and it's definitely at times boring. I don't but I kind of feel like that's part of the game in, yeah. in a weird way. What do you think? Yeah, like I think I don't know. I think I think Kojima knew that this would be a very divisive kind of game. I, I don't think he... I mean, the guy's smart, you know, like, I don't think Kojima's stupid. I don't think he, I don't think he was surprised that a lot of people maybe didn't necessarily jive with it because it is a very bizarre game. I don't think uh, we were talking about it in the spoiler cast. And like a lot of times when we would just bring it up when we were playing it, that it's a game that's very unlike anything that I've played before, really. Um, And it is one that demands a lot of patience. It's very silent. It's very you know, lonely. And I totally understand why somebody, especially if they're at a, uh, you know, a review outlet who has to just get the thing done would be kind of irritated or might not necessarily be as open to experiencing it as, you know, somebody who might have been looking forward to it or somebody who has like a lot of time to put into it. It's just one of those things, man. I, I don't think it speaks to, people individually like if you didn't like the game i think that's totally fine i think it's a reasonable game to not like uh but you know i don't know i think it's it is it is what it is with death stranding honestly yeah to me i look at this particular situation and i think that chris is absolutely right that i think the nature of reviewing games and that tight window you have and i mean i I did it for a long time at an outlet and you get games really early sometimes and they probably got death stranding really early but still it requires you 60 hours uh, in a few weeks, probably you have to play it in addition to all the other tasks. And there is something a little different about being a full time critic and the way you play games in the end. Like for me, I would play a game. You have to go into the capture bank, capture a bunch of it. You have to write notes for the video team. You have to write a script for the video review. You have to write your regular review. You have to go through all sorts of edits and you have to settle on a score and do all these kinds of things. I find the act of reviewing games. I've talked about this in the past. I find the act totally simple. I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's a difficult thing to do, but it is time consuming to do it right. And that's why I'm so glad that we don't have to worry about that shit on our show. And and I've said it in the past and I'm not just saying it. It's not like uh, the crying corn cob or whatever on, on Twitter when you're owned so bad or whatever. Maybe people can look at it that way. But 
I'm kind of happy that we're blacklisted by so many publishers because I don't feel this inordinate pressure to get things done in this arbitrary time period. I don't think it serves our audience. It certainly doesn't serve us as players. And Death Stranding probably did succumb to that. But I do want to say something really important. And I know you probably agree with this, Chris. I know you do, actually, is that I don't like this idea of having to put in X amount of time to be able to say what you want about a game or to have like a valid interpretation of the game so long as you're being honest about how much you've played of it. So if a person played Death Stranding for two hours and they hated it, I think that's really valuable. And in fact, that might be really valuable for people on the borderline that aren't maybe interested in playing it or are thinking about buying it at a cheaper price. This is the Final Fantasy 13 disease. And I hate it. I fucking hate it. The Final Fantasy 13 disease, of course, being people that was it was the famous thing to say, like, you got to play it for 40 hours before it really gets good. It's like I'm not playing this for 40 hours before it gets good. Yeah. And then I did. I ended up playing it for 40 hours. But yeah, <clears throat> that's fair. That's, like, I, yeah. I think it was weird. Like, I feel like I had a weird experience with Death Stranding because I liked it kind of immediately, which is like not really common for me with these kinds of games, ones that are very kind of art house almost. Not that not that it's like not understandable it's still like a 3d action game but yeah like so i can see the way that game is and i can understand why a lot of people didn't like it and you know as a game of the year contender it's definitely up there for me like i don't want to get too specific in it because we have a whole thing we have a whole episode based on this right but, yeah we'll save all of that of yeah course. but it's i don't know it's it's good and people can not like it and that's okay yeah, that's well, that's what a great point. I mean, the, the your punctuation at the end of that people have to understand that. And Chris, it's not an attack, Chris Garcia. It's not an attack on you and your question. We appreciate you submitting it. But why do you care? Like, that's the thing that I have to kind of calibrate myself with every so often. Chris, too, is like when I see someone shit on a game, I really like sometimes yeah. you get this visceral thing inside of you where you're like, well, you don't get it. And maybe they don't. And maybe maybe I do know more about games than them or maybe they know more about games than me and I don't see it this way or they don't see it that way. But this goes back to the thing I say constantly, which is I just don't see how it matters that anyone else cares or plays a certain game or if they're not playing it, quote unquote, the right way or whatever the case might be. Death Stranding is is and I think we talked about it in the specific term on the spoiler cast, but I could be wrong where I said it's like an inverse mountain. It's a valley game, which is weird, where I think the game starts out extraordinarily strong. And then I actually think that it gets into a lull and then I think it comes out really strong again. And games usually ramp up. Games are usually like a hill to the top where the game gets is supposed to get most, most exciting and crescendo, you know, very similar to a film. So I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with Death Stranding's or the reaction people have to Death Stranding as long as they're being honest about how much they've played to the game. Yeah. And I do think it's a game that you have to sit with to understand fully. But I also understand to Chris's point. Some people are not going to want to sit with this game. And I think the game is intrinsically boring to play by design. I think that that's part of the game. We yeah. talked about that with, you know, obviously there's no quick travel in the game because it would or no quick travel where you can carry things with you because it would break it. And so the game requires you to have these long, somber, solemn, soundless, eventless moments. And I can see why that might bore people. And as far as game of the year, yeah, it's going to be in. It's going to be in my it's going to be in our collective conversation, of course, because I think it is one of the great games of the year. Joe Byrne wrote into us, Chris. He said, hello there, gentleman. He said, gentleman. So I don't know which one he's talking to. Probably you. 
With the recent discovery that Final Fantasy VII Remake is a timed exclusive for one year, don't you think it's interesting how there has been little outrage over the fiasco? Sony and Square only called it a timed exclusive once on the original reveal trailer, which came out before the game was even in active development, and the two never referred to it as timed ever again. I remember Microsoft being torn apart for the Tomb Raider fiasco ever after having called the game a holiday exclusive for that year. Don't you find it interesting that there has been no uproar whatsoever? Is it a Sony bias amongst gamers? Thanks and happy holidays. I wasn't sold on this question, Chris, until I read the specific game he uses as an example, which was Tomb Raider. And the reason that this two, this is he's specifically actually talking about Rise of the Tomb Raider. And what he's referring to is that Microsoft refused and Square Enix refused the publisher of the game, refused to say that it was an Xbox exclusive until later. And then it was obviously coming to PS4 and it did come to PS4 a year later and all of that. And I find that interesting just because it is the same publisher. So I guess there is some sort of relation there. Final Fantasy VII Remake, as Joe said, Chris, from the top, we already knew it was going to be a timed exclusive. And did people really think this was going to be only on PlayStation? Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game that is going to cost an extraordinary amount of money, that has unlimited sales potential, that has been in development hell, that has Switch developers, that has all of this oomph behind it and heft behind it. Did people really think it was only going to be on PS4? I I, I don't know. I, I don't give a shit. It can be yeah. on a fucking shoebox. With, Wait, so with are a, people, I don't understand, are people mad that it's coming to other platforms or are people mad that it's a timed exclusive for so long and not coming to other platforms immediately? Well, I think what Joe is saying is actually something else entirely, which is like, why we're, why why the double standard? Which is true, because the Tomb Raider thing was ridiculous. And I, I remember calling them out about that over and over again, being like, why won't you just say it? It's so obvious. But... I was under the assumption that we all knew Final Fantasy VII Remake was a timed exclusive. So we have the confirmation that it's a one year timed exclusive thing now. So it'll come to Xbox, you know, 2021, early 2021, maybe. But I don't know. It doesn't bother me that much. And even it's hard to be consistent with your outrage. And even I'm inconsistent with my outrage. So I kind of forgive people with that kind of stuff, too. But yeah, is there a Sony bias? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, no, of course. I think we I've talked about this a lot where it's just like I think uh, there's a seniority bias uh, basically with anything that exists. I think Nintendo has the most bias because they've been around the longest. PlayStation has a significant amount of bias, but not like quite as much. Xbox has like very little bias because they're like kind of the new kid on the block and Stadia has the least, which is why everybody hates Stadia, even though no one's actually touched it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's good. Have you have you did did you buy Stadia or your roommates? I didn't buy Stadia, but I, I I messed around with streaming because on Steam you can stream shit to your like devices. So I was I was just trying to make a I, I tried to make like make a, a really cursed video of of me playing uh, Halo Reach on an iPad with a with a fucking DualShock, and it worked. It worked pretty fine. It still uh, it confirms my suspicion though that it's definitely not something that I would use competitively. You know, or like in an active multiplayer scenario. Yes. Even though the even though the latency like was super impressive with Steam, you know, the thing that is currently free. uh, (laughs) It's it's it was super. I was actually super shocked that the latency was that low, but it was still there. Like it didn't impact my experience enough for me to be like, oh, I can't play this. It was less than I would say, you know, when you have a TV on game mode. Or like when a TV's like not on game mode, so there's like input lag. Right. It's not as noticeable as that. It's actually significantly less. Interesting. But I would still notice that like, oh, I, I would get trounced 
if I went in like a like a PvP match in with in this current setup. Well, Joe, we appreciate the inquiry, and we're not mad at you. We're just mad at the uh, the situation, not the exclusive situation, but just the console war stuff. I just, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's interesting from a business perspective, and I'm a PlayStation. I'm a big PlayStation fan, and I guess I probably do have a bias towards PlayStation, whether consciously or subconsciously, unconsciously, I should say, but. We try to check that, and I encourage all of our fans to check that, too. And Final Fantasy VII Remake was always not going to be an exclusive. I mean, I, I could have told you that from the second it was announced that yeah. it was going to come to Xbox. Joe Manzanares wrote in and said, hey, you two, with the announcement of Resident Evil 3 Remake, do you think Capcom will keep on remaking games if it does well? What are some changes you'd like to see from the original to the remake? I don't want to focus too much on that. But what I do want to focus on, is, he asks, will we ever get our Dino Crisis remake? Stay cool and keep making every day great again. Thank you, Josh. We'll keep the Resident Evil 3 talk to when the game comes out. because It's not even that far away now. But as far as other games out of Capcom stable, I think they are going to keep remaking stuff. And I think that they're I, I mean, I said it over and over again. I don't mean to be overwrought, but they are in a renaissance period right now where they can really take advantage of this and go crazy if they wanted to. And I think that it would maybe even benefit them to do that now as opposed to in a few years. You know what game I want to see? A Capcom game I want to see that's a really obscure NES game is called what? Codename Viper, which is this side-scrolling shooter, very much in the Contra kind of flair, very much in that obsession we had in the 80s with games that took place in jungles and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But the cool thing about the game is you would go through and you would rescue different hostages that were kept all over the stage. You'd like go into these doors and there would be hostages and you'd have to like take them to safety and stuff like that. It was a cool little game. And I would like to see Capcom remake something not of the $60 variety, but something of the 10 or $20 variety, which they've done. I mean, they did it with Bionic Commando and all those other stuff, all those other games, which are really expansions of those games. But I would love to see Codename Viper again, if anyone's familiar with it. I doubt you are. But yeah, Chris, any Capcom games that you would like to see that they're not messing around with? Uh, I don't know. I don't really have that big of a history with Capcom outside of some of the earlier Mega Man games and maybe, uh, oh my God, maybe like Dead Rising. But yeah, like Dead Rising. Yeah, but I, I can't see. I don't know. I'm happy with what we have right now. And also we're getting enough remakes at this point. That's true. You know, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Dead Rising. Not. It's interesting because Dead Rising, they, they did two timed Xbox One exclusive Dead Rising games at Capcom Vancouver, but then Capcom Vancouver shut down. You'll see Dead Rising revived again, but now is not the time for that. No, it's, of course, it's, because it's, yeah, definitely too not. many zombies, too many zombies. But that will be like really like if they just are smart enough to put Dead Rising away for 10 years and then bring it yeah. back, that will be I think the time would be right at that at that point. And Dino Crisis is another poll that would be awesome. I would love to see them go back to Dino Crisis. Fucking yeah. weird ass game, man. So, yeah, that would be cool. But Codename Viper is where it's at, of course. Sean McDonald wrote in and said, hey, guys, now that MLB the show will be on everything, do you think Sony won't be able to resist sending all of their games to Xbox or PC or Switch after getting a taste of that sweet cross-platform cash? If they already sell new consoles at a loss and make their money back through selling games, I don't understand how potentially tripling revenue of first-party games uh, outweighs the value of exclusivity. It's important to note, uh, Sean, they haven't sold PS4 at a loss ever. My economics could be wrong, but since the distinctions between consoles are dwindling with things like cross-platform online, is it always better to just give the market what it wants? We discussed this last week, but I did want to revisit this. I really am convinced that this was not a sign of things to come, but a sign of the specific deal that they made yeah. with MLB. I think people are worrying about this too much. Yeah, I, I really think uh, 
I mean, it's 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 Major League Baseball. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's already so detached from. I don't know. It's it's so non-gamer centric, like as a thing, that you'd assume that anything that happens with this kind of property is an outlying event. You know, that's not really like a a, uh, a sign of things to come or like the 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 beginning of a trend. This is just like, hey, this is a very weird contract that was signed. They have to just well, no, I mean, they can do whatever they want, but I guess we all have to keep in mind that we've still not seen other than the show. And the show, by the way, doesn't migrate until 2021. So there's one more year of exclusivity on PlayStation platforms that'll start migrating with Xbox Series X and with PlayStation 5 and presumably last gen. I mean, presumably they would still publish it to PS4 and Xbox One as well and PC, but and Switch, which where it might be actually really popular. But it's important to note that the games that have migrated already to PC from PlayStation or that will be migrating like Death Stranding are second party games at best. So you saw games like all the Quantic Dream games, Death Stranding, Helldivers, etc. But we've never seen, with the exception of the show, a first party game going over. And like I said, it's possible that they're experimenting with this, but I don't know that that's the case. And will they be happy, Chris, with that money, extra money? Yeah, they're going to be thrilled because on MPD, instead of it being like a top three game, it's going to be or a top five game. It'll be like a top three game or a top two game. It's going to the show is already really big. I think people underestimate how many copies that game sell that game sells every year. And now that it's going to be on everything in 2021, you can assume it's going to sell really well on Switch and on Xbox and on PC. I think if anything, it's going to be a massive seller. But I don't know that it's going to twist their arm because I think that they still understand that part of the ecosystem's allure is are its exclusives. And I don't think that anyone looks at the show as one of those games that's vital, even though I understand that people over time have become PlayStation gamers if they're baseball fans because that was their only option. But I, yeah. I don't know that it matters that much. I don't know. We're yeah. going to find out. Finally, Chris, Zach Forney wrote in, said, hey, Colin and Chris, how important is gameplay innovation to you guys? I feel like every game release is getting kind of samey and that a lot of the games in the AAA space are promoted by being compared to other games. Example, f- play Fallen Order. It's like Uncharted, Metroid Prime and Dark Souls. Great, po- great point. Even the indie space is guilty of this except for the point of reference in the games released 20 or 30 years ago. I swear at least five games in the drop last week used the term Metroidvania. And we did it with Twin Breaker, which is an Arkanoid-like game. Are you guys worried that we might just keep getting reskinned versions of Symphony of the Night instead of something as innovative as Symphony of the Night? How important is this even to you? Would love to hear your feedback on this and keep fucking that chicken. I thought we would end something, uh, end this week, Chris, with something kind of deep. Yeah. We talk a lot about gameplay, innovation. Gameplay is both really important to us. And I'm not saying that, again, in a facetious way, there are a lot of players in which gameplay isn't the most important thing to them. And I can't relate to that. And I know Chris can't relate to that, but there are a lot of people that are about experiences more than gameplay. And that that's relevant. That doesn't matter to me so much, but I know that matters to a lot of people, but I love the way Zach put this, Chris. He says, for example, play full in order. It's like uncharted Metroid prime and dark souls. I mean, he's, he's right. And we're as guilty of this as anyone, but how much are you looking for innovation? I wonder when you pick up a game. I mean, you're playing Halo right now. A lot of these older Halo games now they're re-released, so they're not going to have a lot of innovation. But when we compare it to the upcoming Halo game, I mean, what are you looking for in that game that you don't already have in Halo? You're just looking for a finer shooter, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of I don't know in regards to I think my roommates are like literally like watching John Wick three at the loudest possible volume. <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I Innovation is one of those things that I feel like people say a lot that they don't actually 
care that much about because if if there's if there was an innovative game that came out this year it was most certainly death stranding i think because that game is so strange despite it being a third person open world it's it, everything about it on paper is exactly the same as everything else and yet it's so distinct in how it goes about doing it all that it does it fails in some areas and f- succeeds in others but you know that's an innovative game and the price of innovation is sometimes it doesn't really appeal to most people sometimes it's an innovation that's very well thought out and very cool but it might only be for a certain kind of player and in in talking about a halo game like even playing the older games on PC right now you kind of realize how innovative those games still are today because so many of the cool things that it was doing just for some reason got abandoned things like a uh, theater mode where you could rewatch your gameplay and detach the camera and like see it from every single angle like that doesn't exist now because we have these DVR systems in our machines and we're like oh well that's good enough but it's it's not really the same thing at all it's actually hugely interesting and the the customizability of that game and like the the things that the games that you can make in it it's almost like dreams which is like weird it's like and there's not a lot of stuff like that now where a lot of games are like you know here's the here's your third person action adventure a lot of the times that's pretty much all the time on on PlayStation but even elsewhere you know it's it seems like we're just going with here's a refined control in a first person shooter or here's a refined combat system in uh, a 3D action adventure game like Fallen Order where like the combat system is fun in that game but it's not doing anything crazy the game itself isn't pushing anything particularly interesting even the new like photo modes that are coming out are just really dumbed down versions of theater mode that was in like Call of Duty and Halo back in the day and then for some reason stopped like I don't know how important is innovation to the average person if these things go away and they're not really demanded back yeah it's a good point and and like we've said many times developers starting with PS3 and Xbox 360 had an, an advantage of being able to see data that indicates how much how many things are used and like what features are used and and so I think things have gotten a little more scientific for better or for worse from that space. And I, I agree with you about Death Stranding. What's so interesting about Death Stranding to me and what was so awesome about it was its uniqueness in that you can't really say what it's like because it's not like anything. And my biggest criticisms from the spoiler cast and from our review discussions even here on the show, on the main show, had to do with the fact that when it became like other games, when it became a shooter, when it became other things is when I didn't like it anymore. So there are a lot of spaces to innovate it just either requires these big budgets and a lot of rope like Kojima got from Sony or it requires more incremental advancements. And I think Fallen Order is another great example, which both you and Zach brought up here with the letter. Fallen Order is really fun. And I saw the Metroid Prime exam. I actually was a big Metroid Prime fan during GameCube era. And I saw a lot of the Metroid Prime references and I'm like, I don't really I didn't I didn't think of Metroid Prime once until after I beat the game and then I started reading things about it. And I'm like, oh, I guess I see that. So it's also about what people pull out of it. Like Dark Souls is an obvious ancillary to, to Fallen Order and Uncharted, clearly, especially in the first hour. The game plays like Uncharted, basically. Um, but I think the price of innovation is in the incremental steps that are necessary to get us there. And he asks, like, do we keep getting rever- reskinned versions of Symphony of the Night or something as innovative as Symphony of the Night? Symphony of the Night wasn't the innovation. Metroid Prime or Metro Super Metroid was the innovation. Symphony of the Night is what made it excellent. And I think we can still get that out of the Metroidvania genre. 
And so innovation is important, but fun is more important. And I'll tell you right now, Chris, I'd rather play a 2D Mario game over and over and over and over and over again than some of these half-baked third-person shooters, for instance. You know, yeah. so uh, and I, I mean, I would play a new Mega Man 8-bit Mega Man game every fucking week if they can give me that without I would never get tired of that ever. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. And I think that that's probably the answer for a lot of us. And that's why a lot of game releases are just stabs in the dark. I think that Death Stranding, if it was released by someone who wasn't Kojima as not a PlayStation exclusive, would have been much more poorly received commercially. So we'll see. You know, in other words, it sold better commercially uh, as an exclusive. Not only that, but who made it? But if you stripped all that out, like what it would have been really cool is if Kojima would never do this because he's got too much of an ego and that's fine. But is to like remove yourself entirely, like make a Kojima game. Kojima makes a game, but he never talks about how he's involved in it and releases it without his name on it. And then six months later says, oh, I directed this. Probably be a really hard secret to keep, but you would be able to then test some of these theories, right? About how much a person's name attached to it matters or the auteur status matters and yeah, all these well, other kinds it of things. It definitely does matter, you know? I think so too, yeah, certainly. It both really matters and it actually matters. If that makes any sense. I think it does. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Chris. That's all we have for this episode of Sacred Symbols, the PlayStation podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Remember to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. You can also buy merch, check out Knockback and all the other things that we do by going to CollinsLastStand.com. Make sure to go watch the trailer for Twin Breaker. Share it with your friends and family. Get it out there on social media. Please let people know. Great job again, Chris, on the trailer. You did a really nice job on that. People really love it. It was a lot of fun to make and direct and write i guess because i wrote it yeah i was excited to see what you came up with because i wouldn't have been able to come up with anything nearly that good so i knew that you were the the man for the job and congratulations of course to barry johnson and lily mo games we're happy to be associated uh with them as well so uh, that's it chris i'll go let you watch what were you saying uh, what is the john wick three uh, that's what, i just heard a lot of gunshots uh, and that, that's my assumption now is when i hear right. a lot of gunshots fair enough it's like oh it must be a john wick movie fair enough have you watched those by the way i've not i've actually only recently heard what it was even about and it sounded really intriguing, but I've not watched them. It's fucking crazy. It is fucking insane. I'm going to ch- I'll check it out. I'll make note of that. And uh, <laughs> got to start from the beginning, I guess. This is with uh, Keanu Reeves, right? That's what yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. OK, yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. You could just watch the first one, honestly. Like the rest of them are good. But like that first one's uh, the choreography. It's, it's all about like fight choreography. It's like an 80s. It's just insane. Cool. I'm totally I'm totally going to check that out. Yeah. But a lot of people have recommended it to me. I don't I don't watch enough movies. I need to watch more movies. There's just so much time in the day, I guess. Yeah. Anyone can make a stupid excuse. When you're sitting here watching The Crown and Downton Abbey like I am, there's no time <laughs> for anything else. Uh, I will give you a recommendation. You should watch the Downton Abbey movie. It's excellent. All right. I will. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Sure thing. Uh, thank you, everyone out there. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. 
As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algaret, Morgan Ashley, Saul Balcazar, Taylor Barkley, Martin Beck, Tyler Bello, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixie, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Patrick Carper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Ruidon, Fitzpatrick, Chris Galvin, Darren Gardner, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Tyler Goodwin, Hayden Gorringe, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Richard Hebert III, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyatt Henry, Robbie Hensley, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Joshua Jonathan, Paul Joyce, Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Antti Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Mason Cadillac, Jackson Lastiqua, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Scott Lovelace, Josh M., Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, Ross Maranka, Matt Martin, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Raul Melendez, Andrew Mendoza, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Stephen Nieder, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, Dan Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Zach Parsley, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Purdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Jeff Pollard, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Joshua Smallwood, Matthew Tamer, Ahmad Tamar, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Michael Vecchio, Justin Wagaman, Oakley Waldron, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayne, David Wright, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Casual Misfits Gaming, Bloody Fang, Organic Produce, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, McDog18, Infinite, Boots, Mad Mock Media, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Craftheads Podcast, Richter86, Hugo's Desk, A Fortuna, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Gamer Filmaholic, Megadet, and Rainick. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain, it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. 
inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.